Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation, Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. Welcome back to the channel, guys. Uh, forgive us for coming in here a little bit late. We've got some like technical difficulties getting Antonia Okafor set up here, but you know, she's there. You guys can see her. Uh, Antonia, we do this thing called Jazz Hands. Oh. Yeah. Uh, now, I know, I know there's jazz hand stuff. I've been doing it for a long time. I'm, t <laughs> I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back from those crazy Democrats That's at that convention. That's not a thing. That's does, not a thing. It doesn't belong to them. So, yeah, here we go. Jazz hands. Come on. It's just, it's an icebreaker. There we go. Okay. Welcome back to the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. And now, now the internet's telling me I got some issues. Hold on here. Uh, guys, guys, let me know how we're doing out there. I'm going to turn on my Wi-Fi here just in case uh, this is about to get crazy on me. So let me know how we're doing out there, whether or not you guys can see us. Um, so here, let me start the intro all over again. This is episode 431 of the Who Move My Freedom podcast. And uh, tonight, our special guest, Antonia Okafor, Second Amendment activist, Strong, powerful black woman. <laughs> She's Don't here. Don't need no man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, I mean, I was about to say, I know I know you got that ring on your finger, so don't even start that, you know. <laughs> if homie put a ring on it, he needs to get the credit. He needs to get the he credit. Did. He did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, shout out to him. As, you know, yeah. you, you were reason, uh, recently nuptialed, right? I was just a little bit over a month ago. Over a month ago, so, awesome, awesome. Yeah. 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 What is it called? Cuffing season. I think that's called. I think what? I'm using it the wrong way. Kind of like when I use Netflix and chill the wrong way for years. But okay. uh, uh -huh. I think cuffing season is the summertime. So. I have yeah. no idea what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Someone's gonna have I to explain that. To being oh. Married, married oh, now. oh, handcuffed, <laughs> handcuffed. I see, handcuffed. I see. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. Did you guys go, like, did you do one of those traditional honeymoon things? Go travel somewhere? Um, This is going to sound really swampy, but let me context here is that I was speaking at a young college women's conference. So we actually went to D.C. for our honeymoon. Not really. We're going to take a honeymoon oh. later. Yeah. But um, yeah, D.C. is not a honeymoon. Right. I yeah. know. Yeah. And it yeah. was hot and, and yeah. nasty. And, uh, and it's also D.C., yeah, yeah. a pit yeah. of a lot of horrible things is <laughs> right, not exactly. honeymoon <laughs> not a honeymoon worry. i feel like there are gonna be people who want to call me fud i'm sure there are people already with this this whole thing right now who don't mm -hmm. think i'm going far enough with the red flag bill or whatever and okay they're like oh then she went to dc for a honeymoon of course <laughs> we're going to get into all of that stuff. We're going to get into all of that stuff. I know I've got people coming in here right now. I want to encourage everyone coming in. Please like thumbs ups, uh, comment here. Let us know if you have questions for Antonia. Um, you know, also make sure you subscribe, ring the bell as well. So you can get notified whenever we go live, but definitely, definitely smash the thumbs ups, ask the questions here. We'll try to get to those. We've got her for two hours. We'll get, we've got a lot of stuff to get into here. So I hope you're ready for that. Okay. I, this is going to be a marathon. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I know you've done like, I've seen you on with, uh, what's the name of that British knucklehead dude? Uh, Pierce Morgan, I think. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a lot more fun than that. It's going to be a, true. a lot more That's fun. True. That guy is an idiot. <laughs> I was watching something you did with him. I don't know if that was like, I think that was over a year ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, the, right after Parkland. Yeah. And, and he was like an idiot. He was, uh, he's talking about the rate of fire, and then he said the wrong rate of fire, so you corrected him, and then he's like, yeah, well, do you know the rate of fire of a bump stock? Which he also <laughs> said the wrong thing. I looked it up. But I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> so. No, he was just trying to, he was just pissed off that I was a, and I, and then, of course, you, I talked about being a black woman and how mm-hmm. that's important. And, but then that was like shame on you, right? Yeah. Told me shame on me for bringing that up. But, yeah. you know, if I was a gun control advocate, I like activists, he would have been like, and you know what? You're a black woman too. So yeah. let's bring that up. Right? I think he got so. flustered when, with your, with, when your power emanated over to him. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> he got a little flustered. You know, the Brits, the Brits are, you know, they've got issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a minute, are you a Brit? Are you British? <laughs> no, I'm not British. No, I'm not. Not, not at all. Oh, no, I, I, I did. I lived in England. I did live there. Okay, okay. Yes, okay, I did okay. live there. I think a it's long a strange ago. thing. It's the last thing strange. I think Doctor Strange. And I think oh yes, yes. Because uh, I was yeah. a fan. I, that's not my actual name, but oh. I'm a fan. I'm a. Fa- I was a fan <laughs> of, of uh, Doctor Strange, and it's actually my hip hop name. So. Oh. A, a long time ago, another life. I did some, you know, hip hop producing, etc. We we don't, you know, we don't talk about that too much around now. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. I we'll, we'll talk about that after the two hours. <laughs> no, I, t- I, I, I am not afraid of talking about anything. I don't know if you have. There's things like you don't want to talk about, but I'm down to talk about anything. No, we have two hours. We're gonna talk about everything. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm good. Down for that. All right, I'm with that. I'm with that. So like I said, there's a bunch of people coming in. You guys put your comments in here. We'll have this conversation. You know what? Lola always makes me um, start from the beginning. So let's for the folks out there that don't know about Antonia Okafor, um, do you want to fill those guys in? Were you born here in America or outside of America? Yes, I was born here. Um, okay. So my parents are Nigerian immigrants. All right. Uh, but I'm the oldest of four. So. Okay. Yeah, 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 in Texas. I'm born in Texas. So okay, born okay. You were born in Texas. Uh, can we can do? Can we know at least? Can we get like what era of, of you were born in Texas? Or? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I do not care. You know, that is one thing about black not not cracking is like if people are like, "What? I thought you were born." At least they tell me. So maybe they've mm-hmm. been lying to me this whole time. But um, the 1990s. I'm a 1990 baby. So. Oh wow, 90s, yeah. 90s. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so so your parents came from Nigeria. When did they come to America from Nigeria? Uh, a few years before that. Okay, so yeah. th- so they came in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Which was like actually I didn't know that was when actually a lot of Nigerians came over. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they were part of that wave in the 80s. You know, my mom's as a registered nurse, you know, like mm-hmm. the most Nigerian mom. Right. <laughs> Lots of African moms. <laughs> either African moms either right a there. nurse, a home health aide, <laughs> or, you know, this is... Right. Yeah, I know this. I came, I actually came to America in the 80s from Nigeria, so... Oh, that's, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's something wow. I have in common with your parents, so there you go. Does yeah. that make you feel old? Uh, who me? Does it make me? Uh, yes, I'm an old man. I'm a very old man. <laughs> uh, I'm proud. I was proud like, of it. oh, I didn't even. Oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk yeah. about See, it. See, I wasn't gonna bring up the whole Nigerian thing. I did right. not know that I was so. That's when I, I became more of a fan. Oh, really? That's how. Yeah. The Nigerian like, connection. Nigerian the Nigerian connection. connection. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
right. Yeah. Right. And I'm and I'm actually I did my genetic test. I don't know if you've done one of these. I actually no. have uh, my genetics. So the Africans, my mom's Indian. So my dad and my dad is of African descent, but he's like really, really mixed up. Um, okay. So on, on the black side, on the black side, I am uh, Ghanaian and Nigerian. Okay. Yeah. As most um, as most people who are descendant of slaves are here in America and in the Caribbean. I was born in Guyana, and which is considered Caribbean South America, but you know everyone considers it the uh, Caribbean, so far as I know. Okay. So when you, you say Indian, you don't mean you don't mean Native American, right? You mean like no. India? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Red dot, okay. not feather. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's politically correct or not, but I don't think you care about that kind. Of, you're not. In, you're not like politically. I'm correct. not into that. that very okay. Good. Much. Good. I want to make sure that you were you were taken care of. Yes. <laughs> I I am very not politically correct. Oh. So, okay. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I am. I'm. I'm going to be on my best behavior. You know. I mean. But, Wait, uh, are you, so you're this well no her mom her dad right was Jamaican so you're kind of like a Kamala Harris type of. Uh, oh really? <laughs> no. Yeah, she's half. She's oh. half African American or black and half Indian. Oh okay, she is. Oh okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I didn't yeah. know if you guys were talking about that at all. At all but. Uh, yeah, I'm not a no, fan. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Kamala Harris at all. Um, I I did hear she was she born in the Caribbean. I don't oh, know. I don't know that much. Yeah. I just know that she's she's actually half. And I know she's a hundred percent crazy. That's all I know. <laughs> And 100% authoritarian. Yeah. Because yeah. goodness gracious, if you just want to talk about, just like people rant about Trump's tweets, but mm-hmm. then you look, I also follow Kamala Harris, and I'm just like, oh, like who, like who really wants, nah, I say that every time, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. the author, like, especially on gun laws, she just loves the fact that she has the power, right? And mm-hmm. in her past prosecutor times that she was able to, you know, take away guns whenever they wanted. Like, is this, that's some very like draconian stuff, like the stuff that she tries to push. So, Absolutely. Anyways, anyone um, anyone who's a career politician, I do not like. Period. Right. Anyone who's a career politician, I'm not a super fan of Trump. I grew up in New York City, so um, you know, I, I think Trump's a New Yorker. I grew up at, like every other person who lived in New York in the '80s, '90s zeros or whatever i think lots of new yorkers know trump and and for that reason i think i kind of understand him Uh, i voted for him and all that kind of stuff but i'm not a super fan i think there's some anti-second amendment unconstitutional stuff that he himself is pushing but at least we could say he's not a career politician that's like that one is thing. true. We can say that. that yeah, is for sure. that's one thing. <laughs> Everyone else that is like I was looking at something. Um, I was just looking at something before you came on, actually, about the Cuomo's of New York. You know, like, you know, uh, which one of the Cuomo's got into some whole thing where some dude was calling him Fredo. He's not happy about that. He said that's like the Italian version of the N-word. N-word, yeah. Even though he called himself Fredo before, you know. So Right. Oh my goodness! It, okay. But it's it's such a mess, and the thing about it, uh, we'll probably talk about this later here. But the thing about that whole thing is that the Cuomo family, they are like a mafia in New York. You know, they have all this power, and and so this video that came out about him. When we get into that, people will see that this is how he's acting like a like a mafioso. Right. Yeah, yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, he was just in and he's that's not the first time he's been like he's acted kind of like just in your face. Just 
Just yeah. not classy at all. Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those career politicians, especially when they come from uh, families like this, where everyone is what they call public service, which basically means they enslave the public into service for themselves. A lot of them are like that, you know. So that's and that's what we're dealing with. With like we somehow segued into that, but that's what I think about Kamala Harris. I think she's one of those, mm. one of those people nice. that falls into that category. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're supposed to be talking about you. Oh, I see what I did there. Yeah, we're supposed to be talking about you. So, okay, so your your parents came from Nigeria probably around the same time as me. Yeah. Because uh, I came here like 1983. Um, I was coming oh. like since 1980 to visit, and then like because my dad was a, a college professor actually in Kaduna. Have you? Did you ever go to Nigeria? Yeah, when I was little, like where. Okay. There's only like a few memories I have. One was chasing around a chicken and, and choosing it to like, <laughs> eat that night. Oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> how did, how was, okay, you chose it. Did you slaughter it? This is I, the important question. Okay, I'm pretty sure I was involved in like the, like the ringing of neck. Yes, okay. <laughs> that was my next question. Did you go with the ringing of the neck or the chopping? <laughs> um, no, no. No, no. Yeah. yeah, we just did that way, nice and clean. But yeah, yeah. those people call me about. Yeah, my, my mom and my family, like, oh yeah, when you're in Nigeria, you don't remember chasing the chicken and telling yeah. them we're gonna have that for dinner. Like, yeah, that's three. Wow. Yeah, um, I had to do that myself. That's a, a lot of people in America missing out on that, man. If things really go apocalyptic, people are not gonna. I, I have to say, even me, even me, you know, because if you, if you, if even like if you did those things in your past, but then you live in America and you haven't done it for a while, you're not really prepared to have to go out there and get your like, you know, you can't just if we have an apocalypse, you can't just drive down to the local supermarket and buy chicken already, right, exactly. already packaged up. Yeah. OK, yeah, so you're right. Mm-hmm. People don't know that anymore. And I remember the last time I had any involvement with farm animals was uh, actually I don't even think goats are farm animals, yeah. <laughs> but I just remember going they to are. my dad. Mm-hmm. Like early memories going to with my dad to like choose the goat that we we're gonna electrocute and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, I don't know if so I want to go down the okay. where I get mine. <laughs> right. Um goats. Yeah, I have goats now actually. Oh, okay. Just for like for fun, or do you for fun? (laughs) No, they're not. Goats are not fun. (laughs) Goats are not fun. No, I have goats so I don't have to cut grass. You know. So yeah, we live out. We live out in the country, and we got a bunch of goats. We had a lot more. Now we're just down to like three, three basically females. Um, If we put some dudes in there, then there's a whole bunch of goat babies, and it gets crazy. Um, But. Yeah, it's too much. So now we have, I think we have like three right now. So nice. Yeah. Okay, so I'm guess you guys are in farm country, wherever. You yeah. Are. Oh yeah, straight up farm <laughs> okay. country. I live outside of Gainesville, so in Florida. So okay. Yeah, okay. I'm oh, in Florida. Florida. I already feel the humidity just waving. Yeah. Like the wave of humidity. You were there. you were in Florida not too long ago because I saw something that you did that you went to FSU, right? You went to speak at FSU. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke at FSU. I also mm-hmm. spoke at UCF. Okay. Like a few months before that. Um, okay. Yeah, FSU. I, I lived in Georgia for a very brief time because I went to I went to Emory University, if people know, in Atlanta for a little mm-hmm. bit. And I also lived in Savannah for a little bit. Okay. And uh, FSU, definitely that area reminded me of like that those trees, like mm-hmm. uh, just beautiful, like the South. But yeah. Um, and the food. I will say the food was 
run for my money when it comes to Texas food. But um, okay. yeah, yeah, we were there. You spoke about Campus Carry. Got to talk to um, Sabatini, who's that new congressman there, mm-hmm. um, state rep, who's who authored the Campus Carry bill, and he mm-hmm. just pushed it again for this year. But yeah, man, I can go into that whole thing. Yeah, but that's we will. We will. Absolutely. And and the next time you come back to Tallahassee, you're in Tallahassee. Let me know, because it seemed like we didn't get enough support for that. But let me know. My son goes mm-hmm. to FSU. I have one of my oh, kids goes what? to FSU. So, yeah, we'll, you know, oh, yeah. um, we're, we're planning. So Empower is planning on doing a rally there. And he already told us to come back in November. Mm-hmm. Let's like he's like, come back in November. Let's make this big. Let's. Because it's the Republicans over there that are really messing it up. That's um, that's one of the major problems of Florida right now. Right, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I was pissed. I was like lobbying that day. I remember I was like pissed off. I was like, "Oh, you're a Republican? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll be back. We'll be back in November. Trust okay. me, I know. I'm always fighting <laughs> with the so-called uh, Republicans who swear up and down they're all about the Constitution and Second Amendment, although they never pulled a trigger, never shot a gun. You know, all that kind of stuff here in Florida. They're major problems. So, yeah, if you're coming back, I mean, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of things I have planned. I know I'm doing some stuff in November. But if I'm here, uh, even if I'm not here, let me know. And I'll try to do my best here on the ground for you before you, you know, before you come in. Because it seemed like when I was looking at you talking about that, it seemed like you didn't get enough support, which is a problem in Florida. There's lots of gun guys, but they're not awake. And it's too much for them to drive a couple of hours up to Tallahassee. So we got, you know, we got to change that. Right, right. But FSU, FSU is a pretty, it's a pretty conservative, like the people there, like there's a pretty strong support, right? Or am I lying? Um, Maybe Kelly's just with the other ones. Yeah, I think, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably indicative of Florida, which is close to 50-50. We're kind of like a purple state, unfortunately. So, okay, okay. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know my son's conservative. I know that. <laughs> Right, um, right. But but and you know, being a gun person, yeah. Yeah. Well, another thing, being here, so I'm in Colorado now. I grew, born, raised in, in Texas, and I've been there forever. And I got married, and now I'm in Colorado. But being in Colorado, like when people say like the libertarian streak, like now I understand that, like the mm-hmm. gun rights thing, especially, yeah. which hopefully we hold on to. But um, but yeah, so the gun thing, they're still good. But Florida, it's like night and day. You go over there, and you're just like. It's the old school type of mentality of being pro-gun. It's not really pro-liberty, so that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have to do something about that. All right, let's try to stay on track before (laughs) before I get like a warning from Lola. All right, so you you were born here. You were born in Texas, grew up in Texas. You guys didn't travel around or anything? Uh, Yeah, for the most part, born and raised there. Um, I... So that's kind of when I was about five years old, that's when that whole stuff happened with my family. My dad went to prison um, for a drug trafficking crime. Um, Mandatory minimum Mm -hmm. was there for almost 20 years. Wow. Um, And then so my mom, single parent, raised Mm -hmm. four of us. And yeah, so we were there. Didn't move much. um, Just stayed really in. Carrollton, Texas. That's where I'm from. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always, I always act like Carrollton, Texas, like the small towns, really not. It's like 150,000 people. Oh, wow. But, okay. Uh, living in a place that's like 2000 now. Now I understand it's not a small town, but yeah, um, yeah but the most, most part is pretty quiet, suburban, suburban area. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Nigerian family, you know how it is, you know, so yeah. school was important to me. Right. It's kind so. of a weird dynamic. I mean, I remember, uh, so I, I, I don't know if whether or not you talk a lot about what happened with your dad. 
but um, I kind of remember growing up in New York in the 80s. First of all, like JFK Airport, every time I went there to like pick up someone that was coming in at the airport, somebody was getting arrested. Usually it was someone getting off Nigerian Airways. There was a <laughs> really? lot. There was a, yes. I'm not kidding. I'm not. I'm, I'm, just, I'm very serious about this. There was a lot of drugs and stuff like that going on. Um, I even had some Nigerian friends I went to school with. Uh, uh, actually, other other African kids were getting involved in that. You know, it was just a big thing. Like, in, especially in New York, I think the '80s was. Remember, the '80s was like the crack '80s. Right. You know, so there was a lot of stuff going on there. Was that? Did that have like big impact on the family? Because I saw that you said also your mom at some point wound up uh, yeah. going to jail. So was, yeah. was so it the same mom, kind of thing? Yeah, my mom was counted as an accessory, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so she was there for a year. And actually, they went to New York. That's where they were in mm-hmm. prison. Um, mm-hmm. And fun fact, uh, so um, found out later that the reason why my mom left, er- left early but really was given a chance to leave after a year um, was then, then federal judge or then judge or whatever, federal judge, um, now Supreme court justice, um, Sotomayor, mm-hmm. Sonia Sotomayor. Um, she's the one who actually let my mom go and told her she never wanted to see her again and released okay. her early. Yeah. Um, so she told me that I got an opportunity to finally tell her in person like a few years ago. And it was interesting to be, t- be able to tell like, Hey, thanks for letting my mom go. Because if not, we would have been essentially orphans um so yeah so it's kind of crazy well so the 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 thing about it and i've seen you somewhere talking about this the thing about it is back then especially in new york i think it was other places around america they had some very draconian laws so so for example one vial of crack which probably had like a few crack rocks in there right which was not Mm -hmm. cocaine and some baking soda and other things involved in that don't ask me how i know about that um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But one vial of crack actually got you a mandatory 20 years. So. Right. And, yeah. and that was the discrepancy, right? That was the whole cocaine crack discrepancy where mm-hmm. something as small as that for crack. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been interesting to go back and think of like all the laws that were, you know, and that was. Mm, so and, and I will say people are like, well, it's Reagan, too. It's like, OK, Reagan and the Clintons had mm-hmm. a, a lot to do with a lot of those type of, you know, laws. Um, Politicians always want laws, man. They always want laws. And the people always suffer for the laws, the politicians. I'm not trying to say we don't need laws. I think we need very minimal laws. Like to me, I think laws should be, we should have like maybe 10 laws. I don't know. We can maybe open up a Bible or something, (laughs) have 10 laws. Those are all basic. You know, even if you don't, I'm not saying everyone has to uh, believe in God, be a Christian or whatever. Right. You know, that's right. That's your own individual liberty. I'm interested now. (laughs) Ten commandments seems seems kind of like basic and good to me. I'm not, you know, I don't need to, you know, don't kill anyone. Don't take anyone's stuff. Leave other people's uh, husbands, wives, whatever alone, you know. Right. I mean, okay. It's okay, good. I Seems like good that. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hold on a second. Richie Hughes gave us a couple of bucks here. He says uh, they separated American kids from their parents. Yes. Yes. They oh, did. wow. I yeah. know. I know. Yeah. And I, I, I the people who are using that right now being like, yeah, so you guys weren't so, you know, and, and that's that's the hypocrisy about mm-hmm. those same people are the ones who are trying to make it seem like, oh, yeah, immigrations like, yeah, we were, I was separated from my both my mother and my father for 
at least a year for my mother and 20 years plus because my dad now is back in in nigeria when he was released yeah um, they they so they barred him from ever living in america again yep okay. yeah no so um, okay yeah. So don't even. Yeah. I know. Um, it's just one little <laughs> side note. He's Nigerian. I know for a fact he can get a totally different name. Did they, did they like fingerprint him? I scan him. What did they do? Because, I mean, dude, I know people in Nigeria that could get him a different name. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. I don't know. I, yeah. think, I feel like he's living the high life over there. He's just, he's like, uh-huh. he changed the name of the chief, high chief, like, uh-huh. you know. Over- <laughs> That's what kills me about Africa. It's like everyone, you could just buy your chiefdom, you know? I mean, it's like buying a freaking Honda Accord or something, you know? <laughs> Why gotta be Honda Accord? Well, yeah. Okay, I yeah. can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Ghana I mean, is that really is- bad with this. Ghana, Lola's from Ghana, my wife. Oh, okay. She's Ghanaian, yeah. And Lola, uh, Ghana is really, really horrible with this nonsense. Lots of Americans <laughs> going over there, paying some money, and then they make them a prince or a chief or a king of who knows. I remember knows being what. a kid and... Oh my goodness! The, the amount of times I told people that I was a princess and a dream princess. <laughs> oh, so so good. It yeah. was great. Too much coming Can't to America. A young age. Yeah. <laughs> Too much coming to America. Listen, trust me. I know. First of all, I don't want anyone to think I loved my the time that I lived in Nigeria. I lived there for. I mean, it was a. It was like the formative years of my life, but it was three years. I was very young. I loved it. Um, Not so much other people in my family. I think you look at those things very romantically when you're young. And we lived in the northern part of Nigeria, which is Muslim. So so people Mm -hmm. don't know this. Like Nigeria is three tribes, right? You got your Hausa people in the north that they're Muslim. Then you have your Yoruba and Ibo. I'm going to assume you're Yoruba. (gasps) Or... No, Hi. no, no. Uh, uh, no. I'm, okay, you're Ebo then. You're Ebo. Yeah, I'm Ebo. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm just just because you meet <laughs> you a lot know of how your. We are. Yeah. You know how <laughs> we are about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's you been wars <laughs> fought over this. Yeah. Excuse me. Forgive me for that. In Dallas, and that's mm-hmm. where I'm. Sorry, Dallas area. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Ebos are in Dallas area. A lot of the Yorubas are Houston. Oh, okay. This, I mean, that's just a little bit of. But, yeah, um, yeah. For anyone yeah. who out who even cares, who really about this. cares about that, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Now, yeah. Are. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, now see. We're gonna. This is what I try to tell Lola. Don't. I can't make plans on a conversation like this. So, um, so just going back to what happened with the laws. I think that I, I was just telling someone today that here in Florida and actually around the country, they're putting in laws like these gun control laws and the bump stock. All of these things are laws that can that's a lot like the crack laws that we had. Right. Mandatory 10 years, hundred thousand dollar fine. You're now a felon. I mean, it's just as bad as if you have this one vial of crack gift, you know, you become a felon, you lose a lot of your rights, not just gun rights. If you owe the government $100,000, anyone who owes the IRS money knows the government doesn't ever forgive any kind of money that you owe them. Mm-hmm. And then you go to prison for 10 years. <laughs> right. So yeah. asset forfeitures. Yeah. I mean, everything like, yeah, they, they're not. And that's I mean. I know we're getting into the red flag stuff, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's another thing is that people, if you don't understand the fact that when you give, like literally give the government an inch, they take a mile, mm-hmm. like every time, yeah. every single time you're not getting your right. You're not getting it back. No, like you're not giving that power back. So, yeah. um, yeah, it is. It's the same type of mentality. Um, it, it's anti-liberty, anti, we don't trust you. Let's give more power to the government, whether it's drugs or it's firearms or gun rights. Same thing. Yeah. 
and people and the, and this is coming from people who are always like on, on the liberal side, on the democratic side, right? You have lots of people saying, "Oh, you know, we want you to be free." <laughs> But we're going to make these laws and the people who it's going to affect never really like, you know, they they don't actually stand up for their rights. They support the people. I think this is one of the problems that you have with a lot of black people in America, a lot of immigrants. uh, You see it with Latinos, uh, all kinds of, you know, anyone that comes to America or feels like they're a minority in, in America automatically votes and supports Democrats. And those are the dudes who want to do everything to put your butt in prison for everything you do. And that's what they do. I yeah. think I always tell the story of how I remember my mom in elementary school saying, like, look, we're, I vote for Bill Clinton. Like, you're going to you're going to vote Democrat. That's what we we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, those like the, the Clintons are the same ones who put those mandatory laws in. And mm-hmm. the reason why my father went to prison, and my mom went to prison for a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. Your elections have consequences. Policies yeah. are important, you know, so yeah. and they can affect you directly. Yeah, most likely they will. Yeah. And think about this. Your parents went to prison for something. Now, like today, weed is legal. Right. Um, I Listen, I, I don't take I don't take drugs except the uh, prescription kind. And I hate those myself, to be honest with you. Um, but and the prescription kind is sometimes more dang, like if not way more destructive, <laughs> way more right. destructive. Yeah. Right. Um, but the thing is, is that I don't really think that there's lots of things that should not be illegal, including drugs. Um, people can debate that all they want to, but I think like marijuana, even, even when you're talking about cocaine and stuff like that, I think people have the right to use these things as long as they don't do it and put other people's lives in danger or endanger children or something like that. Hey, you want to, you know, you want to go down this rabbit hole and, and blow your life away, go ahead and do it. Right now, weed in a lot of places is legal, right? I think probably what happened with your, with your parents was not weed. I'm assuming. No, it was not but no. even those things in the very near future, these guys are the same people right now are pushing to say, let's make all that stuff legal. Right. And I'm not I, I'm fine with that. But then think about the people's whose lives they just totally ruined over something that now they're like, oh, that should be totally legal. Right, exactly. And, and that's the thing is that they flip flop on this stuff all the time. Like, oh, you know, now now it's progressive to be OK for this type of mm-hmm. thing, but it's not OK to be progressive for this type of thing. I mean, right. same thing in, in the gun, like uh, the history of gun control and everything. People don't understand, like the history of people are talking about rifles now. Well, if you're talking about the 80s and 90s. Like it was the hot thing was handguns. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted to ban handguns. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then even got open carry, concealed carry. It, it used to be a, a time when it was actually the gun control advocates who were pro open carry. Why? Because in their lo- like logic, they believe that they wanted to see people who actually had <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the reason why we have so many um, states that you would think that would be anti-gun states now, like Nevada and in mm-hmm. Colorado. You don't need a permit to be, have open carry here. Yeah. Um, so, but you do for concealed carry, and that's a whole new thing. But yeah. Um, but anyways, that just just goes to show that there, there's no actual, <laughs> there's no ideology here. There's it's no intellectual like honesty when it comes no. to it. It's just like we want this doesn't seem very good right now. I'm scared, and it is a right for me not to be scared, and so therefore I'm going to ban this. Um, yeah. It's very it's reactionary. It's it's not based on good sound policy or ideology or anything Mm -hmm. like that. They always flip. Um, I remember we were talking about the 80s. Um, 
you know, I remember that my teachers in high school in the 80s were all very liberal people, and they were telling us, don't trust the government. They wanted us to read 1984. You know, they <laughs> talked about Big Brother. Don't trust the government. You got to be able to fight back, defend yourself. They were talking all of that. Now today, they've flipped They've flipped that, but it's just convenient for all of these politicians. It's just convenient to talk about that. You know, now all of a sudden they believe that for them to be to feel safer, the rest of us have to lose our liberties and potentially go to jail for a long time, become felons and all that kind of stuff. If we don't comply when all we want to do is to be able to to defend ourselves. Well, they did that with the free speech movement, uh, Berkeley, the prime example of those people who used to fight for free speech are now anti-free speech mm-hmm. uh, because those those their kids went to school now and now they're opposite and those are the ones <laughs> same thing with um oh i missed it i was gonna say free speech and then um poop just oh I'll, I'll remember later but basically at least for free speech like that was the big thing is that they mm-hmm. they oh homeschooling i'm gonna say oh homeschooling um, yeah homeschool movement that a lot of like you were saying about school those are a lot of people and originally were liberal homeschoolers because they, they didn't trust the government they wanted mm-hmm. to talk, teach their students like what did they wanted to teach them or teach their kids that um now it's the opposite now people just think every right winger is homeschooled or mm-hmm. vice versa so um yeah yeah they yeah. definitely changed things and not very long ago either. Yeah, absolutely. So you grew up when, when uh, you know, looking into your background, you grew up, you went to college and everything, right? You were very, you were very liberal because this is like the background of your parents, right? It's a similar thing for me. Right. Um, 2008, voted mm-hmm. for Obama, was in Atlanta at that time, went to Emory. Um, and then 2012, that was when I was started thinking about different things but yeah mm-hmm. okay so you you voted for obama i saw that you were like a, you were teaching you were converting people into uh like a liberal form of feminism or something like that right is that, right, is that yeah. accurate yeah so okay. infiltrate the high schools infiltrated the high schools and it was teaching progressive modern feminism Mm-hmm. Uh, to the high school inner city girls there. So uh, for a couple of years, not it, it sounds a lot more radical than that, mm-hmm. but it's not. Um, but for the most part, it was definitely a different form of thinking of feminism. Uh, it's the modern type of feminism, and it was to, and it, it was a good cause. It was to teach them about how to get into, involved with politics and, and eventually run for office. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely with the intent of pro-abortion, pro, well, pro, anti-gun rights, like stuff like that, you know, the typical okay. stuff that goes with it. So do you feel like you s- sleepwalked into that just because that's where your family came from and, and, and you know, your identity is like a black person and, and everyone else around you that you just went into that? Or do, is that a conscious decision that you remember waking to go down that, like, you know, you were awake when you went down that path? Yeah, I think... I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's always, you know, oh, looking back, well, oh, I was obviously conservative. But mm-hmm. it was definitely, like, I think a lot of the identity politics definitely went into it. Like, I'm a black person, and mm-hmm. therefore I'm supposed to. Right. Um, looking back, though, there were definitely a lot of things that I was just like, you know, adult was like, this person probably not going to end up where I think they are. Like, mm-hmm. for example, when I was in seventh grade, we all had to do a big report on, you know, an ill, uh, a big ill in, in American society. A lot of people talked about, you know, cancer or, you know, AIDS or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, at seventh grade, like I was 12 years old and I was still, I would have, I couldn't vote, but I was still a Democrat, right? Um, 
And in seventh grade, I chose, I still remember, I had to do like an actual project. So I did a, a project, which was a, um, I basically constructed this whole little girl's room of, a, of what a, this little girl's room would look like if she had not been aborted. Okay. That was my project mm-hmm. at 12 years old. And okay. then I also uh, wrote, uh, my project was um, a paper on abortion, the legal killer. Like 12 mm-hmm. years old, like this is me, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, going to these 12 year olds and saying like why abortion is a, a horrible ill and like have no idea like politically what I was talking about mm-hmm. other than that I thought it was, that it was a bad um, But that's natural. Bad. I think that's, I think that path that you were on there, that, that thought, path that you were on is a natural path. How does it make sense to, to, you know, like, for example, the problem that we're having now, right? They're telling us, um, I saw some, we've, we had some Congress people on the Democratic side talking about red flags. They're going to come back in early. They're going to do all this stuff because 50 people died over there. Um, I think the numbers are over 150,000 abortions in America every year, at least. Right. Right. So, you know, those are those are crazy numbers. Why, mm-hmm. you know, if they are so concerned about life in, in that aspect, why aren't they concerned with the person who is destroying life within themselves that is related to them? Why isn't that right. a concern? Yeah. And I, that was an abortion issue was one of the first things, like the, one of the first policy um, issues that I that helped turn me um, mm-hmm. in, in college, especially with. You know, uh, so another thing is that in when I was about 21 years old, I worked at a crisis pregnancy center. And I really that was part of my awakening of like, man, like growing up, the whole conversation is always around whether you have an abortion or you don't have an abortion. Right. That's it. There was no other there was no other education or information out there that really showed the other you know avenues that people had. The fact that there were crisis pregnancy centers that had no idea that existed until I worked there, until it was um a ministry that I was part of in over the summer in Savannah and got to talk to the women who, you know, was with them 24 seven. Um, these women who some of them were victims of, of incest and rape and Mm -hmm. realizing, you know, personally like abortion, this whole, you know, is this an abortion or whatever? Like it has effects. It, It changes people. It harms more people than it helps, especially those people who have been victims of rape. And, Mm -hmm. And I've been very um, vocal about my sexual assault at okay. a young age and, and relating with those women and just feeling really lied to that those were the two different options, the only two options I had. And so crisis pregnancy centers that, but then realizing like if I really am a feminist, then how how is it empowering for me to kill literally the next generation of women? Mm-hmm. Like, how is it empowering for anyone to say, like, you know what, what's the most empowering is to make sure those next women don't come up. <laughs> because right. there's a cool feeling that you have. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like that, to be honest, because it doesn't make sense how that's empowering to women. So right. a lot of those type of things like. And especially the women who are going to look like you. Right. They're going to somehow obviously if something absolutely. if someone forced that on you, you know, there's obviously mixed genetics. But that's going to be something someone that came along, regardless of, of the horrible reason why they're in the world. They look like you and they have an opportunity to live in the world and make better things of it. Right. Right. I know. And that's what that's the I mean, the racism involved. I mean, you can go into eugenics and all that. I mean, mm-hmm. I can go into that, too. Mm-hmm. But. It has always been something that you just look at it and the numbers just show how, how is this really, how is this helping black people? How is this helping, 
or minorities, but particularly black people and this whole person mm-hmm. of color, like phenomenon. It's like, no, it's not a person of color. <laughs> I'm a black yeah. person mm-hmm. and uh, you are targeting black people and have, cause you have a history of that. And then also the fact that you're now, I mean, look at the Planned Parenthood. They, they uh, strapped that other girl. I think she's an Asian doctor they had mm-hmm. and they, the new um, Planned Parenthood president is a black woman. Mm-hmm. They're doing that on purpose. Yeah. But, but think about it. You're, you know, you're naming all the you're you're naming all the people, but the people who are being the most affected, obviously, other than that, that life, that that child that's being destroyed, they're all women. You know, right now, men cannot have babies. So these right. this thing targets women specifically and does something very damaging to them that they have everlasting psychological effects for and exactly. just lets them just walk blindly into that. Right, right. And and they, they they almost as if they don't want to talk about it. I was doing an interview with 60 Minutes. They're doing this whole they'll soon be doing, I guess, bring it out soon about crisis pregnancy centers uh, mm-hmm. because Kamala Harris wants to start looking into it. Um, but uh, as if crisis pregnancy centers are bad. But basically she was asking, well, you know, there are people saying that there are all these uh, psychological uh, repercussions to to having an abortion. And it's like, as if that was a crazy thought. I'm like, of course, there's psycho. We're not. We're not. I mean, we're mm-hmm. human beings. Mm-hmm. That's where we're getting to the point is where they want. First of all, they don't want. That's what they call a fetus. That's what they call a clump of cells. They don't want to associate a baby in your womb as an actual human no. being. No. That is their. That's their objective. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we do that, then we're desensitized to what it is in our body. Right. right. That's like a war tactic, right? If you make people go over Absolutely. and fight this war, they don't understand why they're killing other human beings. You say to them, "Those aren't human beings. Those are like right. you know, those are some foreign alien creatures that you have to destroy." Right. And so it that is. somehow right. psychologically does something with them. Look, as as gun people, we know we're training, we're prepared to have to take lives if we have to, but we don't want to. Right. But you're you're ha- you're having women and especially young women go out there and take a life that be- that is is related to them and you're not doing anything about it. You're not preparing them to to have to live with that. Um I know I I know um uh, for, for just one example, I know a young woman that's that's closely related to me that had at least like four abortions. Mm. You know, but still had kids. And and didn't even like raise half of, of of her kids. You're not you're not doing anything to to teach people responsibility, and then they have to live with all of these things, and they have psychological problems based on that. Right, and not just psychological. I mean, like the, the your body is mm-hmm. not meant to abort babies. Yeah, that, especially that many times. Yeah, not willy nilly. Um, absolutely not. No, I don't think. Right. I think one time has some kind of effect on you. Absolutely, it yeah. does. And um, I remember, man, I remember in high school, like overhearing girls who use it almost like contraception, like mm-hmm. like that's what they would use it as. And it was, I mean, they just, I mean, and that's why I think it's important to be honest about this conversation. It's not just people in the urban, like our inner city or you know, minority or whatever. It's it's the white suburban kids mm-hmm. that had the money to go and do it. It's, I mean, it, it it really transcends everything. The fact of the matter is, though is that now they're trying to put the narrative that it's an empowering thing, particularly for minorities, particularly for women, mm-hmm. because we're oppressed. Mm-hmm. But yet we're the one who's actually involved in this cycle of actual oppression mm-hmm. when we do things like that. Same thing with the gun issue. Right. The same thing with the gun issue. And that's what they're trying to target us and say, 
women shouldn't have firearms and you know you shouldn't glamorize firearms i can't tell you how many times i talk about that or people tell me that or you shouldn't you know add feminism um with gun rights well it's because they are about oppressing people not really well the scariest the scariest thing in the world to them is is women uh becoming empowered and realizing that they're responsible for their own safety and security. That's the scariest thing in the world. They know that it's happening, they could see the trends, and they're doing everything to to reverse that or or to psychologically program women to make them think. I remember when I got my CCW, I've always been into guns, but like I said, I lived in places where you couldn't really have them. Uh, Grew up in New York City, but when we, we moved to Florida, this was one of the reasons. And when I got my CCW, Lola didn't go with me. And she grew up in Maryland, and in her mind, she always thought guns were for the bad guys. Mm. But she knew I was That's into. That's all you see. Yeah, but she knew I was into guns. She was like, "Go do that." Well, so I didn't like push her to go with me. When I came back, we were talking with a group of friends. Uh, my, you know, my my friends were all like the whole family were Marines. So we were talking about guns, and, and including the women, they were really excited. And even though they didn't have to do that class, they were like, "Oh, I'm going to go do that class." And then Lola was like, you know what? I'm going to go do this. Well, when she took that class, it completely changed her mind. You know, it's uh, it, it just totally changed her mind when she realized this is a piece of metal. I can make it dangerous. I can make it just a piece of metal again. And I can do this. I can control this thing. I can be responsible for myself. And she told me, she was like, you know, in my mind, I always thought that guns were just for the bad guys. Exactly. You know, and that's what they're trying to push on women. Like, why do you want to do that? You're going to make yourself a bad guy. Well, why should you not have something to help you fight back against people out there? How could people be telling you, hey, these guys might try to force? Well, if someone's going to try to force themselves on you, you now have the ability to fight back that against that person. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. They use visuals like. When you see, like, oh, I thought it was just for the bad guys, like, because that's all you see is mm-hmm. on movies, on TV. So it's the bad guy, the sinister guy who has guns. That's yeah. horrible. Or, or yeah. Wonder Woman. Oh my goodness, that movie uh, like came out a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I remember they like painted all of the guys with the guns. Those were the bad guys, right? <laughs> right. That's all we see, especially though as women. Mm-hmm. So we don't. You're not going to see images. You're not going to see stories of actual women are there every single day who are using guns to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Although it's true. It's never going to be national news or na- international news. It's something that they want to suppress. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and the ones that they do have, they always try to paint them in some weird light, like they're crazy or something, something mm-hmm. bad about them. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was what I saw a lot was the gun rights issue on campus. I mean, Obama was the one who did this whole sexual national sexual assault database study, and it was actually a lot of schools in Dallas where I was mm-hmm. going to school that had issues with sexual assault. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, if we're going to talk about feminism and we're going to talk about, you know, I am, I'm teaching feminism at this time. I'm a college student teaching feminism to high school girls. And here I am on college campus, and all I get is all these texts about this guy sexually assaulted this girl at the ba- in the bathroom um, in the building, like right next to you. Oh, or this guy just sexually assaulted this woman after she was in a park at night when she stopped because she had car trouble, like literally in your neighborhood. Right. And like, okay, well then what can I do? Like my inclination was, well, what can I do? Because obviously cops are not always going to be there. I think it's pretty common sense there, mm-hmm. but then it's like, 
oh, I can't do anything because my administration, the government says that I can't have my gun on campus. Mm -hmm. So let's fix that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I got into the whole movement concealed carry. But it really also changed my mind a lot on the feminist movement front because I felt like there was this huge void there where they're talking about empowerment all these different ways, Mm -hmm. but they don't talk about guns for some reason. Right, right. So that was the kind of thing that – so when you – when you were looking for a solution, it sounds like looking for that solution kind of woke you up. Does that does that make sense? Does that sound? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that okay. was the same. That was me wrestling with. You know, I'm sick and tired of. I mean, it was a lot of things. I'm really feeling oppressed in thinking. Um, for me, I don't. It's hard to explain like what I was going through at that time, but mm-hmm. I felt so overwhelmed and overcome with the narrative of, well. The white man's always, you know, there to get you, right? It's the whole race issue. You mm-hmm. can't be a Republican because um, they hate you. you. You know, they're racist. Well, <laughs> I was at the same time, like, most of my friends, most of the people that I really cared about, um, they were Republican. They were mm-hmm. Christians. You know, they were, and this was the time I was, like, you know, becoming a believer. So mm-hmm. um, my mentor growing up that really helped me when I was, you know, growing up in school, she's Christian Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, she voted for Trump. Um, so, like, a lot of those type of things, like, I started picking at, like, well, that's not true. Okay, well, you say that, you're, you, you say that basically there's no chance for me because of systematic racism, then why am I even trying? Like, that's the mentality that I started getting was, like, mm-hmm. why am I even trying? Because, well, the white man's going to, you know, come and say that I can't have this job or whatever because I'm black. So mm-hmm. why am I trying? Like, that mentality right there, I think, causes a state of. What am I even doing? Like, yeah. I it's paralysis. It's it's mental right. paralysis. It makes me. It makes you say, you know what? I can't do anything. I need a higher power than me, uh, politicians, to help me do something. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The higher power when mm-hmm. it becomes the government. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the difference. It's like you can make that decision. Like either it's God or you're in your own rights as an individual and a human being because mm-hmm. God has made you precious and He un- helps you understand like the you know. Um, the sanctity of life and the fact that you have value or it's I'm going to go to the government to be mm-hmm. my savior. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the, that's what people choose. Yeah, I'll um, take God over government any day. I know I know everyone's on different religious tracks and all that. You know, I'm on my own. I'm very like person. I believe in God. I'm very personal about that. But I will take that because government are just made up of people just like me. Right. You know, and they and those people are corrupted by the power that they have over me. And in order to maintain that power over me, they need to keep me in that state of paralysis. Right. Where I feel like I can't do anything for myself. I need them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was going through in like Mm -hmm. 2011, 2012. Um, It really changed my mind about a lot of that stuff. Right. And I know you made that PragerU video about that whole thing. But and I, and I'm not trying to like bring that up because I know that was like a quick video. I want to get to the core of that. <laughs> I want to get to the core of that. Was there like a particular person? Was it you? Did you go out and and like go to a CCW class on your own? Was there someone who actually like said, "Hey, I'm gonna help you with this to to get into the gun world"? How'd that work out? Oh man, no, it was so I was ha- I was wrestling with those thoughts like I was talking about. Like I remember, like literally, that was a moment. Like that mm-hmm. was me in my in my red room. Like like getting so overwhelmed we were actually i was uh planning this a feminist um uh event on campus and that's where i was really wrestling with a lot of that stuff because it's like am i going to keep teaching this type of stuff without like 
really figuring out if I'm really like helping these women and helping these girls. And so after that, I just started doing my research and I got more into the liberty movement, um, like with Young Americans for Liberty and the Rand Paul, like, you know, looking into Rand Paul with his criminal, criminal justice reform mm-hmm. and like all that stuff like that. And then the gun rights movement kind of like went along with that. And I got involved. There was an opening with um, with Student for Concealed Carry to be the new Southwest director for for their organization. And uh, it, they had just passed campus carry. I was involved with that on my own, um, just on campus. Um, but I wanted to to do things, you know, bigger because I, I at that point I finally realized like I don't care what political party I'm on. I just I finally get the fact that this gun, this this firearm can be used for my own self defense. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just a tool in my mind, like you were saying, like you know your wife like seeing it as with only the bad guys. It can be used depending dependent on the person who is using it mm-hmm. can make it a good or a bad you know tool. Mm-hmm. So um, once once that clicked, like everything else, like I just got involved in the liberty movement and just understanding the principles, um, you know, behind so much of the liberty movement helped me start realizing and shedding a lot of the authoritarian type of, you know, you know, thinking that I had had before. And I truly like I know it's, it sounds so politico cheesy to say like this, but it was almost like a spiritual awakening for me where mm-hmm. I really understood freedom and liberty, like I remember reading the anthem and reading it. I, I hate to say it like this, but reading almost like how I feel sometimes reading the Bible, like the freedom and liberty that comes with it, mm-hmm. and like finding that, like unlocking that. That was that was huge for me. So I, yeah. I've never gone back since then. Yeah, you're not. I think it does that to everyone. You know, sometimes we think <laughs> sometimes we think we're the only ones that feel this way. This is the thing I think about America, right? You know, I've lived in a lot of a lot of countries and uh, I visited a lot of places. There's nowhere else on the planet like America. This is the reason why if you go to Nigeria now, there's lots of people trying to come here. And I'm not – people will be surprised. Like when I lived in Nigeria, the place that I lived in Nigeria was awesome. Nigeria, especially during the 80s, had a lot of money. They still do have a lot of money because they they sell – 20 percent of the oil that we consume in America comes from Nigeria. So – Lots of our money going over there, but people still want to come here because there's this powerful thing about America. You know, it has to do with the anthem, it has to do with the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all yeah. these things that America really is. It's it's completely different from what you would find anywhere else in the world. Right. No, it absolutely is. And um, to this day, like I'll be driving with my mom and she's just like, oh, man, I love the roads like you know like just saying that they're paved roads like she's still like mom you've been in this country for how many years she's like oh these paved roads like okay but i mean it's beautiful and i think it's helpful um i don't know if there's a correlation there with those who are Mm -hmm. who go liberty and they're they're you know first immigrants or whatever because they get to see like how people who come here are appreciative of america and like why they are like Still, decades later, my mom's you know, talks about the roads, like, yeah. you know, being paved. Um, and now I'm going to get some, you know, people like, well, you know. There's places in America that there's no roads. <laughs> I live I live in the country. There's no roads in the country. Like, I mean, the road, like where I live, the road literally comes up to my mailbox. <laughs> and then everyone else on the rest of the block has no road. Because they're, right. they're, they're always talking to me about it because everyone has to get together and agree to pay for the rest of the road. I'm like, no thanks. The road comes to my mailbox. That's all I need. <laughs> but, you know, there's like, not roads sorry. everywhere in America. 
But you know what? Right, but like little mm-hmm. things like that. That's what I'm yeah. saying. No, I, I, I do understand you because this is what makes me mad when I see uh, people here, uh, especially I used to go through this when I came here to America, right? There are a lot of black people, black Americans who grew up here that would say things to me like, oh, you people from the Caribbean, you come over here, you take our jobs, you Africans come over here. And, say, and I was like, how, how can people come and take something from you? Like I had to sacrifice and leave things behind and give up stuff to come here to take a job that you're saying you don't even want that job, you know, but it's because you don't know and appreciate what it is. And even when you see like there's, we've got athletes that like, Oh, America's terrible. It's institutional racism and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, you need to go live in an African country that has a, that has a black president. Everybody's black and you got no rights. (laughs) There's no laws. You know, if you if you get in trouble, you mess with the wrong person, you're done. You know, there's no kind of justice. You need to go see that and then see, like, obviously, there's bad things that happen here. Happens everywhere. But people, the thing is, and that's when people are like, oh, it's going to be so much better if you go to a place that's, you know, homogeneous like that. It's like people find reasons to be different from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like people who want to be superior to other people. I mean, you don't look in Africa, you're not paying attention. I mean, especially mm-hmm. with Nigeria and my mom talking about that and the Biafran war. And she still talks about the Biafran war. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cause that's where she grew up. Um, that's when she grew up in, in Nigeria. But I mean, from everything, like your house, your Igbo, your Muslim, your yeah. Christian, um, but you look exactly the same. Like yeah. people find reasons um, at the end of the day, it's not always about your race. No, um, I'm not going to bring up the slave thing and the fact that this is West Africa we're talking about. And oh, well. there's a reason why there's a lot of Igbo people in, in right. Virginia, but I'm not going to get into that. Oh, we could. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people yeah. don't realize that with slavery, a lot of Africans uh, will tell you that those of us who are descendant of slaves that wound up in the Caribbean or America, they, there's Africans who feel like we're the garbage they threw away. People don't realize they literally sold their own people into slavery. It wasn't some white dudes. Uh, It would take a lot of white dudes to show up on the shore of Africa with all these like Mandingo African dudes, you know, and just start stealing people. That was basically like an understanding. Yeah, these this whole village belongs to you. Get your stuff together. Get on these ships. A couple of people were kidnapped. I'm not I'm not denying that. But people just don't. I I think that there's a lack of education or understanding or perspective of things that happen. Like I lived in Nigeria during a time where like I remember um, a lot of my dad's students. My dad was a a professor um, at uh, Kaduna Polytechnic, uh, you know, in Nigeria. And a lot of his students were Ghanaian. And then one day. Nigeria said, listen, all these Ghana- all you Ghanaian people, these are Africans just like them, very closely related, <laughs> literally on the border. They were like, you all have 48 hours to get the hell out of Nigeria. Wow. I'm just telling you something. When that 48 hours expired, if they caught a Ghanaian person, they killed them, beat them up, put them in prison, kicked them out of the country. We hid, we hid some of those people in our house. So this is like Africans doing that to other Africans. And by the way, I'm not trying to beat up on the Nigerians. A couple of years before that, Ghana did the same thing to every Nigerian that was in Ghana. You know, this kind of stuff goes back and forward. And people people just don't have a perspective of this and they don't understand. They think, you know, whatever it is that's happening in America, they think, oh, this is like deliberate, horrible thing that's happening. Yeah. Bad things happen to you everywhere. If you know you if you you don't want to go somewhere else in the world and get in trouble, 
Look at um, we were talking about ASAP Rocky, for example. I think he was in was he in Switzerland Sweden. or Sweden? Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. The uh, Trump, the horrible, terrible, like dude, Trump yeah. had to help yeah, him get the hell out of there. <laughs> you know, people don't realize what yeah. happened. I thought Sweden was awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I thought they were very non-racist. <laughs> you know, I thought they believed in freedom. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They just think, oh, or Denmark. Like, are you kidding me? People in any space. And it's the same thing with like, I was like living in Colorado here where I thought I was like the minority. But then you're like here and you're like, hey, like, where are the black people at? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that's what you feel like every day in Colorado. Yeah. Um, but the, but at the same time, though, they have like this liberal like air of like, oh, we are so progressive and we love all the minorities. And like, it's always spots like that, like Oregon or like, you know, places like there's like, they've never probably even met like a minority in their mm-hmm. whole life. But they're just like, as if it, it, as if they just know so much and what's best for us. Like it's that air of, yeah. if we know what's best for you. Like, but at the same time, we're not really like around you guys. Like it's the same type of thing. Yeah, it's um. So, did you yeah. ever see the movie Django Unchained? Yeah. Ever heard of that I movie? The, yeah. I hate that movie. Gary Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I hate the movie, and I'll tell you why. Because in Django Unchained, uh, I think it's uh, what's his name, Jamie Fox, and then there's right. this there's this actor I can't remember his name. But this white guy basically he feels like he freed Django. And he tells him, I feel responsible for you because I, I freed you. <laughs> and is that, it, um, no, he was the racist yeah, guy. I can't, I can't remember that. Okay. No, it's not, um, it's not who, it's not. Uh, Leonardo who, DiCaprio. No, it's not okay. DiCaprio. DiCaprio is just outright racist. But right. there was one of the good guys in there. He's like the little weird, um, he's the little weird Nazi looking like dude who usually plays bad guys in movies. I cannot remember his name right now. But he said to Django, I feel responsible for you because I freed you. And it made me <laughs> very mad. And I'll tell you why. Freedom is something you have to fight for every day. You can. It's an illusion to believe that someone gives you freedom. You were born free. And then maybe something happens to you. It's mental, it's physical or whatever. Someone imposes the slavery on you, but you can fight to get out of that. And there's tools, things like guns, whatever it is that helps you if you have to fight to be free. But you have to do that every day. There's nothing that says, okay, you're free now and you're going to be free forever. There's no one else external from you that's responsible for your freedom. You are responsible for it every day. And if you think that it has to do with like the white man or this thing or that thing, go live somewhere in Africa with a whole bunch of black people like you and then realize that it's uh, dog eat dog in the real world. And those people will enslave you. Go to some places here where it's just like, it's the same mentality, you know, like, but yeah, but especially when people make the whole thing about, oh, it's the nation, it's it's the government, uh, the federal government doing that. It's like, no, dude, like, and that's when it comes down to it. That's why, like, as a Christian, I think it's so important, um, real, like, letting people know, like, look, it's not, like, the gun issue, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the person. It's not, or let me say it's not the person, but it's, it's not the, the, the firearm. It's not that tool. It's not an inanimate object. And it's also not mental health. It's not mental illness or whatever. At the end of the day, it's evil. Mm-hmm. And that's something you don't want to talk about because you don't believe in a God. Like, that. that's the big thing right there right yeah. like when you don't believe in god you don't believe in absolute good and you don't believe therefore in absolute evil and that that yeah. that is possible in us and also and so, the struggle the struggle is is every day you have to fight every day right. there's always if you get rid of one evil person we got rid of hitler 
that doesn't mean we, that's the end. Now there's no more bad guys. Right. You know, exactly. you got rid of Osama bin Laden. Oh, it's not over. There's another there's another evil person that pops up in that person's place always and forever. You and know? they're always plummets. They're just like, I just don't understand. Like, I just like the same thing. Like, we, we ban assault weapons. Like someone was talking about, I was like, yeah, then just go to Europe and see when they're running people over with like 15 passenger vans. Yeah. Like they're like, wow, crazy. Like they keep doing it. Yeah. Well, that's there might be a common denominator there. That's the thing that made <laughs> me mad when I was looking at that Pierce Morgan thing that because he's telling you that in England, which I lived in England uh, around that time when they banned guns. Right. Um, I lived there in like I went to live in England in 1970. I think I went there in like 1977. Um, so it was after I think that they banned guns. So he's saying, "Well, listen, we only have now 35 murders every year because of guns <laughs> in England. This is a little tiny ass. Yeah, this is a little place. <laughs> I think you could put England. Does it won't fit? Like it, it, it'll it'll go into Florida a couple of times, right? <laughs> so, and this is America, right. and he's saying, "Well, we we have thirty five a year." Well, if you did all of this stuff and it didn't stop the gun murders, then what are you talking about? Right. You, you, exactly. It's that's total nonsense. You Same know? thing with Australia when they try to try to say that you know they have no mass shootings and stuff right. like that. People are still making the, the GD is out of the bottle for guns. By the way, there's lots of stories we talk about it here on the podcast in England, where at um, like they have uh, machine tooling places and all that in England workshops. And when that shop is closed at night, there's dudes in there making guns. This is like a simple thing: barrel, projectile, something that that, you know, ignites that projectile. I mean, it's it's yeah. like real, really simple, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, th they can never get rid of it. And he admitted it to you. And it made me so, I wanted to like go through the screen and just <laughs> strangle him because there isn't a law. There isn't anything that we could do. If we could wave a magic wand and all the guns disappeared from the planet Earth and they didn't exist anymore, human beings are still going to, unfortunately, destroy right. other human beings. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the reality that a lot of them don't want to believe. And I can't tell you how many people have come up to me. I remember this girl, mm -hmm. like college student, and she was just in tears, just so angry and upset with me. And I'm sure you've heard this before. It's like, why would you promote using violence against violence? I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm so sorry. Like, bless your heart, little girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. that you think that you live in a world that is safe. Like in your little bubble, you think that whatever like sheltered like area you're in. Like I grew up in Car Carrollton, Texas. Like it's it's like it's suburb upon suburb. Like it's the ultimate suburb. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that there's still evil things that are happening. Yeah. Like, no matter where you are, you cannot be sheltered, unfortunately, from other people trying to you know do harm harmful things to you, whether that's sexually or emotionally, um, physically. I mean, mm -hmm. if a gun is involved. That's part of it, but unfortunately, there's a lot of reasons why you need a gun to protect yourself, mm -hmm. not just the physical aspect. Right, absolutely. And then people are telling us in the chat, which I'm not ignoring the chat, by the way. I'm just having a really good conversation with Antonio. So. <laughs> Sorry, people. But I, Sorry, I see folks telling me in the chat that you still got knives in England. Now they want to ban knives. Yeah. I think I heard that now you have to be <laughs> – they made it in England. You have to be a certain age to buy a knife. Like you can't no, sell. I, I, I'm, I, Wait, I'm is it sure. all of England or London? Because I remember the it could be London. I don't know how they. Yeah, okay. could be, could be. I don't, I'm, okay. I, I don't have the news thing in front of me, but I did okay. hear it on the radio that they, uh, 
like you, you they won't you're not allowed to just like how now in Florida unfortunately you can't sell firearms to someone until they're over 21 they have some kind of stupid rule like that in England you can't buy a knife until you're whatever age it is all of that is so ridiculous and crazy you know we're giving we're we're letting people there's cars there's planes there's all kinds of stuff that people could do they could rent a truck they could do this they could do that there's no way that you can stop people from trying to be destructive. Dudes took down the towers with box cutters right. getting on a plane. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is that if people are thinking, oh, well, maybe that if you just give them their, the guns away, like, I don't know what even, even like, people are going nuts, like, really are going nuts after the El Paso shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that people are going to be like, well, already new Fox News has just turned, like, super, like, left, but right. just... You know, big, like, anchors, like, calling for bans on, like, assault weapons or rifles or, you know, what have you, Um, just straight up, like, people will just, like, think that that is the solution, right? But then just looking at London or England. And by the way, the reason why they were pushing that is because for the first time in years, uh, London had a higher murder rate than New York. Mm Mm-hmm. So I believe it. Obviously not working. No, it's not working. And then you were talking about El Paso. I saw this. I'm just going to throw it up. Um, There there was this is you guys can look at this on Google. I'll throw it up here real quick. Um, Okay, there's a stupid ad thing that keeps trying to pop up here, which I hate. That uh, totally gets on my nerves. Hold on. Let me get rid of that. All right. I'll just read this for you guys. Well, you know what? Basically, people in El Paso, Latinos in El Paso, after this shooting, have decided that what they're going to do is get guns. So, yes. Hmm. Yes. The answer is yes to that. And uh, you guys can look it up if you want to see it. But I think that there's this, um, at least I saw like 10 articles about this, right? Oh, so wow. So the people, because think about it. It's Texas. You're, te- you're Texan. I know you're not in Texas now, you know, but there's, this is Texas. Someone went into right. a Walmart. Um, I could tell you if I go into my Walmart and try to do something stupid, there's going to be several, several guns, several people that will be able to do something about that. I hope. I mean, look, it's Florida. Maybe in like Gainesville here is, is very liberal, but um, there's still there's still people here with guns. There should have been someone there. There should have been multiple good people with guns. And one right. article that I was looking at was a woman saying that, yeah, now her and her children, they're going to they're going to go out there and take classes and get CCWs. And yes, right. this is what they're afraid of. But this is what's happening in America. You know, people are looking at these things that are happening and the media and the politicians are saying, oh, we got to make more laws. But the people are saying, hey, hold on a second. No one was there to save us. Right. Oh, wait, we need to save ourselves next time. Absolutely. You know, and that's I think they're really, really afraid of that. Yeah. And it always every if you look into it, every time these shootings happen, the whole narrative is always like, you know, people, I, I'm sick and tired of so-and-so president. That's one or mm-hmm. what they try to make it be. And then B, uh, two, they always try to make it, oh, well, we have to have some like some type of gun control law. That's, that's what they always make it seem like that's what they're talking about. Like what you were saying, though, you talk to the people actually on the ground, the people who are affected. Like I was in Las Vegas after that shooting happened, like literally less than 24 hours after mm-hmm. that. You talk to the people on the ground. What, what do they want? They want to make sure that they can save themselves, you know, or yeah. save that person or have that ability to next time. Yeah. Like, so. 
Yeah, I see that more and more. I see that more and more. Now, I know, like, one of the things, Lola gave me some notes. Uh, I know you're very involved in uh, Campus Carry, right? This is, is that what you got into, like, as you had your awakening self-discovery thing? You got into Campus Carry, you're still... You're still yeah, uh, very was, much involved yeah. in that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that was in Texas because Campus Carry is a state-by-state mm-hmm. uh, issue. So, yeah. Yeah. So how, so you got into that. Um, I, you've done you've done stuff more than in Texas. Like, I think that's why you were here in Florida, right? We were talking about that earlier. Is that right. why you were so at FSU? I, okay. Yeah. So when I started Empowered, I made it, I wanted it to be something I continued on. And Florida was like my my where I wanted to start it again where I wanted to push campus carry but we're doing it all over uh, we have 35 girls um state chairs and all over this the country okay but we have um yeah so what exactly what's in power just explain explain that to the audience out there and how can they help you where can they find info about this yeah so empowered um so after I was with you know that organization that helped push uh campus carry I um, started my own organization because I realized that the reasons why, like I was telling my feminist roots, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was a big problem with sexual assault for one, and that tends to mostly hit women. Mm -hmm. Um, But two, that I realized that the left, the anti-gun left was really pushing a narrative and trying to take these, you know, this new generation of women and make them believe that they shouldn't be pro-gun. And so since I saw that need, I decided to start my organization that was national and continue on the legacy of, you know, fighting for campus carry, but fighting with a new face, um, a face that had been missing for so long, mm-hmm. um, where I saw other w- young women who were pro-gun, who wanted to be a part of this fight. And it just happened to, you know, two years later, find out that there are a lot of young women who want to be part of this fight. They just haven't yeah. had a place to, to come together to be a right. part of it. Because so, they tell us the yeah. gun people are just all white dudes. Right, exactly. They're yeah. not. Yeah. No, they're <laughs> but the not. thing is, is, a lot of it is that, you know, you have to figure out there's that's the thing. People, the gun community, you already know, is diverse in the fact of why we're even in the gun community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's the hunters, there's the, the activists, there's the, I mean, I mean, there's so many different people, like reasons why they're a part of it. Yeah. And they have this varying, but for the, for the most part, for women, especially for young women, they understand the sexual assault aspect of things mm-hmm. and they understand the fact that, hey, I am a woman. So therefore, that logic of then I definitely should have a firearm or a means for self-defense because I'm going to need it. And I'm going to be that person. If you're talking about independence and feminism, and which I'm hearing in college campuses all the time around me, then then this is a natural step. Yeah. And so that's why they go for firearms for self-defense. Uh, they had a, a study about why women are becoming gun owners. And they're, I'm forgetting the number. It's like a little bit over, a little over 20% of women, the only reason why they have a gun is is for self-defense. Mm-hmm. That's it. They're not shooting it. They're not going for recreational sports, nothing. Yeah. It's for self-defense. So look it's a at, big issue. Yeah, look at what happened. Um, you know, remember there was a young woman, I'm tr- I can't remember what state she was in, but she, she called an Uber or something like that. And there was a guy posing as the Uber. She got into it and then wound oh, up yeah, dead, yeah. unfortunately. There's lots yeah. of reasons, um, you know. There are a lot of stories like Yeah, that. there's a lot of things like that. And people, I think, you know, I think there's more and more women that when they see that, they're realizing, hey, I, this could happen at any time. And now I'm just in a situation where, because look, um, I, I believe women are powerful as well, right? I know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a <laughs> macho. Married. 
I'm a macho dude. I'm a macho dude. I'm not going to say I'm not horrible, but I do believe women are powerful. But ultimately, a woman facing a man, you know, there's some real badass chicks out there, but just physicality wise, you know, it's an uneven yeah. match a lot of times. And and guns, I think, are an equalizer, you know, and they and they need the ability to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's even it's more. And that's the thing. It's just why I said it started out with that, you know, wrestling in my in my bedroom that one night of basically it's changing your mindset also, because you talked to a lot of this. I talked to a lot of these women and the last two years of you know going to college campuses and talking to them. And mm-hmm. a lot of what you hear is a lot of women who just don't believe they have permission to even get violent to that point where they would have to defend themselves. Like it's mm-hmm. a mentality shift. Mm-hmm. It really is. And this culture really, I mean, again, it's a culture of saying that this is what modern feminism looks like. This is what empowerment looks like. But that, but we really, if you like dig deep, really it's, it's again, like we're talking about, it's, we want you to be dependent on us. Yeah. Right. So that's why they're anti-gun. That's yeah. why they're pro-abortion. Like you are dependent and it's a mentality shift of going from, I'm a victim to I'm, I know it's going to be cliche, whatever, but victim to a victor mind t- mindset. Yeah. And when you click that, then a lot of things change. And so, and you're able to have the mentality of if something happens, I'm going to be able to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, ev- yeah. there's so many scenarios that we could go through where people need to be their own police. They need to be their own secret service, their own FBI, or like whatever it is that you think, because those people, we have all of these things and they're failing us all the time in so many different aspects, right? In so many different parts of a American society and culture. And even though people are trying to tell you different, we all need to be able to defend ourselves. I know one of the things, and Lola wanted me to ask you about this, like when it comes to self-defense, um, you not just talk about, you don't just talk about self-defense, uh, like in terms of women, but also in terms of, uh, you know, there's there's religious groups that are being attacked now, right? So I think you talk about it in, in that aspect as well. I know you're a Christian, but there's religious right. groups out there that are being attacked all over the world and in America. So Right. I mean, they're persecuted Christians. I've So I got the, I had the privilege of going to an international envoy to mm-hmm. Lebanon, like right after the Syrian war happened mm-hmm. in 2011. Mm-hmm. And 2011, 2013, around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember talking to Syrian and Iraqi refugees and man, <laughs> you think you're, we're persecuted here as Christians? Oh my, just talk just casually, like the stuff mm-hmm. that they've gone through. Just, you know, I, uh, we, we got In Nigeria too, in, in Nigeria as well. In Nigeria too. Yeah. Oh yeah. My mom talks about all the time, like machetes, like being killed, like Christians mm-hmm. being killed all the time. Entire yeah, villages. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just stories of like people saying, oh yeah, I got a letter in, in the mailbox saying that you have one week or we know you're Christians. You're going to, we're going to kill you in mm-hmm. one week if you don't leave like stuff like that like oh the things that people are going through and so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it always comes down to the people who are pro gun control are pro oppression Mm -hmm. they don't want you to fight like that's just no matter what what, what, if they could wave that wand absolutely i think if they could wave that wand and get rid of guns I, first of all, they're not going to do it i'm just going to tell you let's let, let's have that thought experiment right of them waving that wand if they just wave the wand like that, they're also going to get rid of their guns. <laughs> Think about right. that for a second. So this right. is why I believe even if they could, they would not wave the wand. Now, if they could give themselves some kind of special exemption, 
where they and their bodyguards and their agents had guns, but everyone else didn't. The next thing they're gonna, the next thing that they're gonna get about is saying, you know what? We don't like the idea that you're a Christian or that you're Jewish or that you're this thing or that mm-hmm. thing. You've got to stop that. We think that's dangerous. We don't like that way of thinking. You know, I know that seems crazy to people, but this is what, like, what is the point of disarming uh, Americans? Why is it they want to get rid of the Constitution, get rid of the Second Amendment? What are they trying to do? Right. You know, that's 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 the next yeah. thing that we're going to face here. This is what I'm trying to say to you. Not just in other countries. I mean, we've already had people doing that here. Like we had a guy walk into a church and just one at a time execute everyone in that church. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, and that's the thing is that here, though, and I, I noticed that is like they they are very strategic about when they want to call something terrorism Mm -hmm. and when they want to call it a, you know, a mass shooting and it has to do with gun, you know, gun control. Because if they, if they talk about terrorism less, because then they know that it wouldn't be about the gun as much, Mm -hmm. right. It wouldn't be about gun right or gun control. So, um, it would just be about, they're both the same thing. Mm -hmm. People terrorizing a group of people on your soil or a foreign soil. But the matter of the fact is that, they use a certain type of tool, whatever it is, whatever the tool they're using is intent on making sure they kill as many people and as in a short amount of time as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's the common denominator there. It's always the same. Yeah. Um, someone wants me to ask you if you um, if you have any connection with Caitlin Bennett, who I believe is the young woman that um, I guess she opened with the carry- rifle. Yeah, she opened carry the rifle. Do you do you have any connection? I, I know of her. I've talked to her before. Um, I um, I don't know if we met each other before that thing blew up. She was Liberty Circle type thing. So I knew about okay. a little bit about her. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know, know of her. Like, okay. Know her All right. Just yeah. wanted to get that in out there for people. Um, do you want to, because co- we got like 30 minutes, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're, we are flying through this. Uh, We're an hour and a half into it. I think we started a little bit late, but... Um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk about red flags? Um, you know, we've got the red yeah. flag laws. We got Crenshaw. We got his his support of taps and all that. I know you came out with some. Do you want to explain what your position is with all of this right now? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm anti red flag laws. Uh, the big thing, I mean, especially being here in Colorado, mm-hmm. I've been able to really see like how the fight has been around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I'm trying to go back into like how it was like chronologically, but I mean, the most part is that I'm anti red flag laws because they don't work. They're unconstitutional. And it, it just like Thomas Massey represented Thomas Massey said they're right for abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that and more, I mean, all, basically, and, and not just the second amendment, like they're anti second amendment, they're anti fourth amendment, 14th, like so many different things yeah. that we, um, we, that they we don't even know who's on the do not fly list. We don't right. even know how you get on the do not fly list. We don't know how to remove yourself from the do not fly list. Who we, we do know that there's congressmen on the do not fly list. There's FBI agents. How did that happen? You know, there's soldiers who are currently serving their country that are on the do not fly list. It's kind of insane. Now they want to tell us, oh, we're just going to create this thing. And then in terms of like taps, which we've talked about here on the podcast before, I mean, that's, all, that's like pre-crime, right? 
we're gonna we're gonna sit down and we're gonna figure out who might be a threat, and then exactly. we're gonna we want the ability and the and the laws and and all these tools to use against those people that might be threats, but we don't know what the protections for those people are gonna be. Yeah, with the TAPS Act, I remember uh, looking at that after Crenshaw mm-hmm. tweeted that whole thing and started that firestorm, but mm-hmm. um, or a Twitter storm, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, I pray for him. But um, yeah. well, <laughs> uh, with that mm-hmm. one, looking at the TAPS Act, like they even provide funding, and what, what it seems on there, it says, well, it seems it says twenty-five million from like twenty twenty to twenty twenty-four funding, which, to be honest, that adds another layer of the fact that. Now you're incentivizing states to, first of all, implement some type of red flag law, which when mm-hmm. they didn't, where they weren't going to in the first place. Now mm-hmm. they're like, well, I feel compelled. It's money. Yeah, I've got to do it. Yeah. Federal dollars on the ground, right. on the floor. You know? um, and then also it, whatever that task force comes up with, whoever's part of that task force, we don't know who's going to be on it. Right. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are going to determine what it is. And then if you're not, if those states are not. Um, incongruent with those type of what they think is the best practices for that, then, I mean, your, your audience are probably already know mm-hmm. that stuff. But so th- that alone is uh, the bad part of it. That's not even red flag laws that they're still looking into implementing or, you know, putting out a bill in September because mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not they're not in a session right now. So, and of course, whenever you, that's the thing is like people don't think, when you put Lindsey Graham on something, like you just know it's not going to be very pro-liberty. Yeah, like, I'm also going to say <laughs> Homeland yeah. Homeland Security didn't work out too well for us, right? You know, there's the, right. the, the stuff that we have to go through at the airport. Okay, we had 9-11. They said, oh, this is how we're going to deal with this. It's horrible, right? We lost a lot of rights. We get violated every single time we fly. Uh, when they test it, it doesn't work so great. But we have another or uh, another government uh, group that's got tactical units and, and got lots of money and can do all these things. And we have no idea what's going on. Now they want to create a pre-crime version of that because, oh, yeah, these this is how we stop people from assassinating all these dignitaries and everything. And it's going to work for you. We promise you we're going to use that to protect you. Right. No. Yeah. No. It's, it's to make sure that they have more power, yeah. and that's what it's always going to be. And it's the whole inch mile thing. And I, I know people don't like the whole slippery slope thing, but it's not even a slippery slope. It's just like it's 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 wet and wild right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's already it's already gone. Yeah. Like, and then it's going to continue to be something that they'll use to abuse. And they have. And that's the thing, people in the 17 states that already have. Uh, red flag laws. I mean, we're the 15th one and ours hasn't even started yet, uh, but we already have three dozen sheriffs have said, no, we're not going to enforce it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's bad laws that are unconstitutional. They don't just, just like most policies from the left that are anti-gun, especially they don't work. They're ineffective. They don't even work. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Our man in Axis gave us a couple of bucks here. He says, can we, the people, red flag politicians that are a threat to the United States Constitution? Um, Yeah, it's called voting for them. Yeah, vote them out. (laughs) Create term limits, um, even though they don't want us to. They don't want us to do anything to control them. They want to control us. (laughs) Think about this. They don't want term limits. They want to put limits on us, though. This is what they're up to. Um, so let's talk like directly about Crenshaw. Okay, he came out in support of red flag laws, and then he put up he put this video up on Twitter for whoever who hasn't seen it, saying, "Hey, I'm not really supporting it. You guys are all getting mad for no reason. Somehow I lost my hero status um, because I said I support this thing. What I'm saying, me and the president, we're saying, listen, we're playing 3D chess 
let's uh, get ahead of this and set our own rules so the so that the uh, liberals don't get to set rules. But that's how I read what he said. How did you read it? Right. I I, I know it's kind of funny because exactly what he was saying, the emotionally triggered part uh-huh. emotionally triggered me. So then I stopped watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. Yeah. But uh, but the fact of the matter is, and I've been vocal about this, like I've been right immediately when that happened, I started talking, like messaging him and talking. We've been talking back and forth mm-hmm. and telling him about like uh, Maine's version, the one that they put through. I actually just had the guy who helped author that bill in mm-hmm. Maine on my on my show, my Trigger Warning 2A podcast yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Yellow Paper Uh bills or whatever laws or whatever um but the thing is that red flag laws just as they are do not allow for due process and think first of all the states that all have them illinois massachusetts connecticut uh you know all these states that obviously are you know already left you know dominated already and mostly it's democrats who are authoring those bills you just have to completely scrap that red flag laws as they are just completely scrapped because it's just meant to be it's a formula i mean when diane feinstein says in the march hearing for this um same thing saying that red flag laws is just a a means for what they really want which is to eventually ban assault weapons assault weapons yeah like it's a tool for them this is this is not the the end of it this is what they're using to eventually use to to ban everybody's rights when it comes to a lot of this stuff so Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't. First of all, I have to say this and we're going to probably talk about the NRA. I don't know. Maybe this is a good place. But this is just like what happened back with the shooting in Las Vegas. And then the NRA kind of like opened the door to the president to to put in a bump stock ban, which was then we got told, oh, you guys don't like, you know, when we all spoke up and said, this is crazy. You're going to ban a bump stock now. You know, they're like, oh, you guys don't understand. We're playing 3D chess with these guys. Now the the the, the that we wound up with having the president um, do an executive order that basically not if you have a bump stock and you put it on a rifle, just possessing that piece of plastic yeah. that's basically right. a stock goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Possessing that makes you a felon, gives you right. 10 years in prison and a hundred thousand dollar fine that you owe to the government. You know, that's crazy. That kind of 3D chess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that 3D chess. No, I don't want that. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. When he says, oh, you guys yeah. don't understand we're getting ahead of this. If they create something that later on they could go in there and keep adding stuff to it, that's not going to be good. Just look at healthcare and all that stuff. We can't straighten right. it out because you created right. this thing. They're talking about, oh, we're going to get together and do this. Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. You know? Right. And I, I think when you said the healthcare thing, like, because even that one, people on both sides didn't like Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Because on the left, it was because they didn't think that he went far enough, right? Mm-hmm. It was always supposed to be single-payer payer healthcare. Um, and then ours, obviously, because we're just like, you're not even talking about healthcare costs. You're talking about insurance. You know, yeah. You're not even, you know. Um, but for them, it was always the 3D chess. I'm sure Obama was like, oh, don't worry. We're just going to have Obamacare. Yeah, and yeah. Like, but the yeah. thing, the you got to pass is, it. You got to pass it to find out what's in it. <laughs> pass oh, it first. Yeah, we'll exactly. sort it out later. Don't worry about but it. We're on your side. <laughs> but the difference that is a, the difference, though, is that a lot of the times, though, mm-hmm. they are so like they, they play long term 3D chess, right? Whatever yeah. that means. Hundred yeah. years. You know, yeah. from now. Like, they are going long, like long term game of 
yeah, maybe not this time, maybe next time. And also chip, chip, chips, like slowly away all your rights until we get to the point where you think it's a great idea to have single parent health care. Like mm-hmm. they will get there. Yeah. On our side, we're just like, oh, well, you know, let's just, let's just give up before we even try because I don't, I want to yeah. defend it, but. Let's just give up, you know. I'm so not, I'm not, I'm not giving up an inch. Uh, constitution, well, yeah, constitution, exactly. people. Right. That's what they need to do. Constitution, that's it. That's what we need. That's a forever, forever thing, you know. Right. Um, and 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 that's what's frustrating for the least is when, I mean, but it's also I feel like this was a good time for me to like remember, like it mm-hmm. is authoritarianism versus libertarianism like small mm-hmm. l libertarianism the fact that you get liberty or you don't mm-hmm. and so when you're making excuses like well i know i don't like this and like trust me but like you know the it's like trust me like you're the government like, yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not trusting you no absolutely not <laughs> no. i'm not trusting you i mean he's talking no. he's talking about trump who trump said forget about due process we'll sort him out later right exactly <laughs> you know that was amazing. That was amazing. You know what? Listen, can we t- can we talk about the NRA? What, what, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. What's do you have a stat? <laughs> I know that you have like uh, you, you know you've been at the NRA. You've uh, did you ever work for the NRA? I know. Well, you know how it, I did a lot of projects for Ackerman McQueen, which okay. I'm sure you know how things are set up. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing more stuff on the like I was on their committee, their outreach committee. Okay. Um, and then try to get on the board, mm-hmm. uh, which was you know stopped immediately. You know, basically. Um, so yeah, like it was just a it was me starting out with them as when I was doing student for concealed carry and going on their radio show um with Cameron. Okay. And then after that it was then them asking me to do Freedom Safest Place mm-hmm. and then do stuff on Colion's show. I did a mm-hmm. couple things on with his show and then just then I spoke at Atlanta. Like so I just did project after project, but I never was like on their payroll. Okay. Anything like that. I wasn't full time with them. So um but yeah, that's kinda how it went and Yeah. Eh. <laughs> All right, so uh, hold on. I'm sorry about this here. Just hold on one second. Uh, I think Lola's okay. telling me to switch the internet. I don't know if we're. Let me know. Are you still getting me out there? You still getting me? Yeah. I'm okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. No. No. Yeah. I just want to make sure everything's going good because Lola's telling me to to uh, to uh, switch it a little bit here. Okay. So you kind of worked for Ackerman McQueen, but not like on a permanent basis like Colion did. Uh, right. You were kind right. of like. Uh, like semi-working, semi-working for them? Kind of okay. like a contributor. I just did projects when they wanted okay. me to help out with stuff, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So did that continue all the way up to this meltdown that we're seeing here? Because I know we had Coleon Noir on. We had him on, and he said he found out, like, the whole NRA TV thing was falling apart and all of that. He found out on from the newspapers. Mm, um, wow. Did, was that your story, or did you get out before that? What happened there? um yeah i already to be honest i already kind of felt like i was being pushed out by then anyways Hmm. if that makes sense okay i mean that's a whole other sorry i should have started that two hours ago but (laughs) um, no that's okay uh, we got time uh yeah yeah, you're like wait no no, yeah we're getting to the juicy Um, stuff now (laughs) (laughs) so what why do you feel like they were pushing you out they didn't like your message or the way that you were delivering it you were just too much woman for them you know what was what was what was the thing I'm not saying it. I don't know what, you know, right. right. But no, I mean, it's, 
I'm, I'm almost 100% sure I'm no longer on the outreach committee. Okay. I never got, we always get um, some type, usually September. Um, it's usually right, right before then for the next meeting. And I haven't received anything. And that's the same thing that happened with Tim Knight and Esther mm-hmm. and uh, all the other people. Those people, by the way, are the ones that I usually hung out with the most. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I felt welcomed by them mm-hmm. the most, uh, so it just yeah. Tim's good weird. dude. It's it's you know it's um, <laughs> it's kind of sad to see that those guys got to the point that they had to say, hey, we got to step away from this. That's this bad, right? Right. right. But yeah. seeing it on my side too, I I completely see why. Okay. Um, that they did that. No, like not like it's justified. It's just they're definitely the people who were they were gonna they weren't gonna just take this settle like sitting down like they're they were the liberty people they were they mm-hmm. wanted to see effective you know change um but that's not what they what nra wants right now at least the people who are in leadership so um so yeah for me it's just i i felt that a long time ago when they didn't nominate me after like that big push me to run the first time um and said i didn't do it the right way whatever like all this stuff okay mm-hmm. um and then they changed the, you know, changing it to five years as a lifetime member. Yeah, they um, made the rules even more restrictive, made it even more difficult for us to, uh, right, excuse me, to right, get in there like, and make changes, right? Right, like two weeks after I announced my mm-hmm. second time. So yeah. after like, oh, you should run again. You should totally run again. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. So, I mean, that's a, I mean, after I'm on the, the internet second, here. I was pretty quiet yeah. about it. No, I just um, switched back. I just switched back. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Lola is like okay. throwing me off here. <laughs> oh, the internet hair went off? It's not off, it's bad again. Oh, oh okay, no, I'm good. We, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, I'll switch back if we... Uh, yeah, this... Uh, okay. It's like a whole saga over here with the internet. <laughs> so sometimes I got to switch to my phone. I got to switch to... My oh, my barbershop okay. is downstairs. I got to jump on his internet. Sorry about that. Okay, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay, go ahead. No, you're good. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what I was talking about before. So we're... T- um, well, yeah, we're talking about, like, they changed the rules and all that when, um, like, you were going to run for a seat on the board, Right. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and, and so it was just, and whether that was on purpose or not, I mean, I know they were thinking about it for a long time and then they finally just like, you know what, let's pass it this time. Like, okay, whatever. But, at, but, but basically at that point though, it was just, I had not felt welcomed. And there were several times where I just like get pull aside, like, don't say that you're saying this. People don't like you when you do this. Like it was a lot of like, you need to, if you're going to be here, you need to stay in line yeah a lot of hand holding not how i am yeah i'm not like that so right yeah it just yeah. never worked out no i i feel you with that i think a lot of that's going on what do you think about the everything that's happening with the nra right now what's your overall opinion of it you know i actually just just became a firearms instructor like a couple months ago mm-hmm. and reading i had like learned go through the history of nra and stuff and it was just made me really realize like the NRA has been, first of all, the NRA has been around for a long time. Oh, yeah. And a, what has been happening the last 40 years or whatever, what, 1970s and all that stuff, like, it's not what the NRA, like, began as. And there's a lot of good stuff about the NRA. There's a lot of history, a lot of, I mean, even on the the race aspect, the fact you look at the history of, like, them giving cards, uh, membership cards to black people when they couldn't, they still couldn't even drink out of the same water fountains as mm-hmm. black, as white people, right? Like, so there's a lot of amazing history with NRA, and I don't think, I'm not one of those people who just think, just completely wipe out the NRA, let's just start over. I think we have a great base, and the NRA is doing good things when it comes to that, and the training aspect and stuff like that. Just unfortunately, right now, there's a lot of crap that's going on, and I, I honestly believe that 
there are people who are holding on to positions that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because it's like in any company at this point, you shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but for something that has that I'm not saying, and that's part of it too. I was so upset about in the beginning was even with the board. I was like, but I want to be a part of fighting for the Second Amendment. And finally, God was just like. Dude, the NRA is not the Second Amendment. Like, no. <laughs> they're not the only one fighting for our rights, and and like right. that—that's not. Uh, we've so they have so much market uh, value, right? Or um, what do they call it when they say that? Basically, you think of Second Amendment, you think of NRA. Yeah, they well, kind of they they believe that they own the brand. I think that right. I think what's happening that's really wrong to me is that. Um, a lot of the people on the top there that are really running the show. One of the things I've found out over the years is that the show is really run by a couple of people, a handful of people, Wayne LaPierre being the, the primary. It's almost like Putin in Russia, you know? And, and I think that um, they've got a lot of money and power that comes from us, but they've gotten to the point like a lot of Republicans out there that they're just abusing it now and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they're really just fighting for themselves at this point. I, I wish that something could be said, that they could hear it, that you have this beautiful old uh, thing that means so much to us. Let go of it. Don't, you know, don't burn it down to the ground around yourself. Just let go of it so that it can continue. But they just don't see it that way. I don't think LaPierre sees it that way or anyone else in his inner circle that that's really keeping him there when the rest of us are saying, hey, it's time for you guys to go. Right. And you would see like what saved the NRA and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. that nonprofit that just started. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, those people who are probably the most vocal against like what's going on right now. At the end of the day, they're still saying, like, look, save the NRA. Yeah. Like, we're, we shouldn't just burn – like, we shouldn't take, you know, just throw away the the baby with the bathwater type thing. Like, yeah. this is important for a lot of people. And at the end of the, I think still, though, there's still room to say, like, this also goes to show, like, why we shouldn't put, like, all of our trust into the Second Amendment, into one organization. Mm-hmm. Like, we should allow other organizations like Gun Owners of America, mm-hmm. like, you know, National Association of Gun Rights, like mm-hmm. all these other, you know, gun rights or empowered, you know, like moving yeah. up in the world who are who are filling the, the voids that NRA didn't want to or didn't, you know, fill before. Because um, I think every organization has has so, some type of talent of or, or gifting that they should utilize. It shouldn't just be one organization who's carrying the mantle for our whole right. Yeah, I think so. we need to be smarter about how we fight this fight, right? The, the the other guys out there, they're creating lots of different organizations, and they realize that almost like if this cell gets taken down, this cell's going to stand up. We can't just leave right. ourselves in a position where if the NRA gets taken down, then we have nothing. We really right. do need to support other places. Look, today in the news, um, this is on CNN politics. I'm not a fan of CNN. But um, I'll just pull this up for everyone so they can see this, and I'll read this to you. I don't know if you saw it. Wall Street Journal, NRA agreed to pay $6.5 million uh, for Wayne LaPierre Mansion. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that a few days yeah. ago, actually. So National Rifle <laughs> Association previously agreed to pay $6.5 million to buy a mansion for CEO Wayne LaPierre, uh, the Wall Street Journal reported Tuesday. A top NRA executive, then chief financial officer and treasurer, Wilson H. Phillips Jr., signed a document in May 2018 promising the gun lobby would contribute $6.5 million for 99% ownership of a company formed to buy a Dallas mansion for LaPierre. I mean, it goes on. They wound up not actually doing it. Uh, you guys can always read this article. But this is just like another thing. Like, we're, you know, this is where the money was going. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, I mean, from the wardrobe thing, which I know there's a 
there's some people who could have been like, well, that was part of his job, but right. yeah, $6.5 million mansion. Yeah. Um, so, man. And, and I just, again, like, it's hard for me. Just my, my bent is, like, to kind of keep things. Sure. And I don't know if that seems like it, but mm-hmm. that's why I never really said anything for a long time, even with the stuff like what's going on with, like, NRA board and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to, like, make things contentious if I don't have to. Absolutely. But when it comes down to seeing the bigger scope of things, like, if we are trying to save the NRA, then there are some people who need to let go in order for us to do that. Yeah. Also, people need to stand up. Look, I'll tell you the same thing I told Colio Noir and I tell anyone else out there that was involved in the NRA. I don't think it's a bad thing that you guys were doing that. I think it was a good thing. I think that for the most part, you guys, you, you had good intentions. You're not the, 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 the folks that everyone's worried about here. But what we all need to realize is that we need you. You need to realize that too. And, you know, the only way that we, that we're all going to be able to help each other is if you keep going and you, you try to like stay independent, regardless of who you work with or whatever, it's you that we need. We need Colin Noir. We need lots of people out there. We need their voices. And the way that the internet has changed all of this is you on your own can stand up and do things. And then we can support you. I would rather that that money goes to you, goes to other folks out there, and you guys can go on with the mission instead of worrying about, okay, this guy's buying mansions, buying suits, and doing all this kind of stuff. You know, I'm not saying that I feel like you should not be able to pay your bills. If you're out there fighting for me, you got to be able to, you know, I want you to be able to pay your bills and live your life and have something for that. But I think, right. I think the individual here is more important than the organization. Right, exactly. And that's, I mean, it's a lesson for all of us, to be honest. Um, I mean, let's even calling on, like, he's been doing, he was doing stuff before NRA. Mm-hmm. And I remember someone, actually, it was on your podcast, I think, because <laughs> I think I was watching a little bit. Mm-hmm. And someone, like, commented, is like, go back to, like, I hope we can get position in Walmart or something. Like, dude, he's <laughs> Never. <laughs> that's never going to be. He's still rocking and rolling. That guy's almost got a million subscribers at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, the NRA needed him more than he needed them. Like, Look. Always. And it's, I mean, that's kind of the, the name of the game for any business, but particularly mm-hmm. that. Like, And he kind of he gave me that when I was like, oh, maybe going up like with NRA, like maybe doing something. He was like, that was just like, you do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, don't depend on them to do stuff for you. Like you do your own thing. Cause at the end of the day, you need to you need to have them need you more than you need them. Yeah, that's for any. He's smart. Like. So I think um, we all need each other. I think we all need each other. I think the organizations out there need to to work with us without a doubt. And we need to work with the organizations. I think where where everything comes into play is where they believe that they're going to control it and have it be one message when collectively the people that believe in the Second Amendment in America, the gun owners out there, that's kind of like this whole conversation that we're having. It's not the old white dude. You know, it's not the old white man alone. I'm not trying to come down on those guys. I'll tell you something, like, just between me and you. Um, <laughs> when I go to NRA or SHOT Show and stuff like that, I am like a Nigerian prince to those old white dudes. You know, <laughs> people come down on them, but they treat me really good. You know, they're like, you're awesome. So we need those guys, but but right. th- this is more than that. It's a lot of different people here, and we need those people to be individuals, Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and we need to support them. And so, I mean, same thing with Dana. I don't know what Dana is doing, actually. Like, 
now because I'm sure she's not she's no longer their spokesperson. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing of the day. Like people who are like, oh, well, you don't you're not with the NRA. Like Dana's been doing stuff way before that, and yeah, yeah she's Dana's good. Way before. Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure good, she's good. And yeah, she's doing great things. So I've seen her. Her she still has a TV commercial out there. Whenever I actually I don't have uh, cable or anything like that, but if I'm staying at a hotel, I always wind up seeing Dana in a commercial. I I think that. Oh. She's going to be good. And, you know, she she believes in this, just like you believe in it, just like lots of other people that were part of the organization really believe in it. And if you guys keep the faith and keep moving forward, you know, when you need our help, let us know that you need our help, you know. We, we need the folks like you that are going to go up against Pierce Morgan. You know, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that you got mad and you pushed back. We need that. But the world has changed now, and we don't necessarily need a big organization like the NRA. I'm not saying I'm against those kind of organizations. We need them. But the individuals out there that are fighting every day, we need you. What what, what I feel we don't need is these politicians who say they're, they put like an R on the back of their thing. They say they believe in the Constitution, and then they, they chicken out, and their spine doesn't hold up when they, when they need to stand up for us. Right. And, and that goes back to the Crenshaw thing. Do I believe for one second if people weren't like if this didn't make, like have a people didn't cause an uproar about the fact that he, people were upset? I mean, you look at his comments, like the people who are like saying that stuff, I was like a little proud, even though I don't. I mean, some of them were just saying names, mm-hmm. but it was good to know that again, like okay, maybe the Republican Party as itself is not doing so well, or even sometimes the congressmen. Mm-hmm. But at least we are doing our job in keeping people like congressmen, you know, senators, yeah. whatever the party accountable. I hope this will continue to be a trend, though. That's the thing. It's I don't think yeah. it's it's enough. We're not doing enough. But it does come down to if we make a sink of it and say no and voice our concerns, then if they're being a good congressperson, then we are – then they change their mind. Then they, yeah. they, they do – they implement the thing that they're supposed to. That's why he says right now that like he's committed to making sure that, that this is constitutionally sound and whatever. But, yeah, I, I am in agreement. And I got some flack because I said in defense of Crenshaw, I was in defense of him because he was actually listening mm-hmm. to our concerns. Um, he says he's going to change it, but we're not going to know until September. Yeah. Like that's when we know, when they actually put a bill out yeah. to see if they were listening to us. Well, so we, keep we have doing to, that. Yeah, we have to keep them in line. That's why I'm saying to you, like if you're doing something in Florida – you know, reach out to me. What like come back on the show or something like that. We'll try to get people involved in it as much as possible. Ultimately, it's up to the people. If the people don't fight for this, they're not going to have it. Right. You know, right. we can only do yeah. what we can do, and then everyone else needs to step up. But I don't feel like we always need the big organizations. We should work right. with them if we can. But um, you know, we have the ability to reach out to these people, at least the people who care, and say, hey. This thing's happening. Let's somehow get involved in this. Even if all you do is spread the word, this person might be able to show up. We got, you know, we've got to do these things um, if we possibly can. Right. And if you want to get involved um, or you want to donate to our organization, uh, making the ask, <laughs> I need to do that more. Um, mm-hmm. So it's empowered to a the number two a dot org. Um, you can donate, uh, you can become a member, you can just get the newsletter, or you can you can actually like be involved in if you're a high school or college student or in the college age, you can be a graduate student too, or professor. Um, we just, uh, we're looking for state chairs to, to be leaders in their state. So yeah. um, we'd love to talk to you about that. But yeah, like that's how you get involved. Like we, there's no reason why we should have 35 girls, high school and college girls. Like I have this is new one from Washington and she's a senior in high school and she 
is so excited because, you know, in Washington, like, they're really getting it over mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, their gun rights are just wiped away. Um, and they understand it. So for those who are just with things like this, I think sometimes we think, oh, red flag laws, whatever. Trump is tweeting this stuff out. Like, just know there's hope. And this one girl at a time, one person at a time, we really can change their minds. I've had two girls who were in Florida and actually our, our state chair, um, Alexandra, as she's watching, mm-hmm. um, she used to be uh, just last year at Parkland, like pro March for Our Lives, feminist, like, radical feminist, like anti-gun. And she heard the whole thing, the fact that, you know, gun rights are women's rights. And it just changed her. Awesome. And she is one of the most passionate people about this about this issue. Another girl, the same thing. So things can change quickly. We just have to keep talking about these issues and why it's important to us. And it resonates with other people who who have that same um who relate to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Armament and Axis says, uh, Hank, please have Antonia back. She's a great guest. Absolutely. Oh, I'll, I'll love to have you back. I mean, whenever whenever you want to, just let us know. You know, even if you even if you feel like you need to come on for just like 30 minutes or something like that because something's happening and you want us to know, you know, you want us to uh, yeah. put it out to our audience, let us know. Or if it's just, if even if you can't make it, let me know. Hey, can you guys share this or something and we will do Whatever we can. Um, I'd be a guest when you have your other other guests on, and you guys are like. Oh, when we're going at. Do you like that? Do you like that stuff? Yeah. Okay. That's so much fun. Oh, okay. This is gonna be me. Uh. Yeah, well, you know what? Hey, this is the first time. I'm sure those guys, some of those guys now, that they're like, oh, maybe we should have came on. We could hang out with Antonio. But I think this is a good way to go for the first time. And then absolutely, love to have you on, you know, smacking those guys around. I'm, I'm sure they'll enjoy it, too. Um, before we go out of here, I know we're over 9 o'clock, but uh, we'll just go a little bit longer. Tell us what's in the future for you. What do you? I know you got just got married. You just moved. Like, what's your plans here for the future? What are you getting up to? Uh, there are a couple of things that are kind of up in the air right now, so not it's not official yet. Um, but I will definitely continue. To, I mean, not continue, but um, I've really gotten into the whole movement here in Colorado with gun rights, okay. uh, with the red flag laws that we have here. Um, with the sheriffs, I mean, they're, I, it's, it's pretty nice to be in the state. I will say that when it comes to gun rights. So, okay. I visited um, Colorado. I like it. I like it. I know some, I know yeah. some gun people out there, by the way. Right. There is. Yeah, yeah. there definitely is. So <laughs> it's been good. Yeah. yeah. We, we have a, a lot of stuff to, to do. So that, in that sense, empowered, we're going to be really pushing the Florida campus carry. That's going to be big. Um, and what else do I have? I'm doing some stuff with Turning Point USA. Okay. Uh, actually just at Liberty University or, uh, coming out with something soon. So, yeah, just a lot of different projects um, speaking. Actually, I'm going to be speaking for those who are going to be at, in the University of Nevada, Reno. I'm going to be speaking with uh, Amanda Collins. Um, we're going to have a big uh, event there in October, October 10th, I believe. So people come out for that. They're going to Nevada Young Republicans will be there. Uh, like a lot of different organizations. We're going to just have this big gun rights uh, event there. So come out and support us all right very cool so 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 for my audience and people out there that watch this video um how do they get in touch with you how do they follow you all that kind of stuff what's the best things for them to do uh probably the most active i'm on is uh, instagram so follow me at antonia underscore okafor yeah um yes i still have my maiden name because i still have a check mark and i don't want to lose that no that's cool yeah that's (laughs) cool i mean you know yeah. Nothing um, wrong with same that. Thing with Twitter. Yeah, same just thing make your Twitter. husband change his name. That's all. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. Make him no, I'm just not kidding. About that life. No, <laughs> I'm not kidding. That. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. Uh, hold on, let's see. I'm gonna throw up your. Uh, this is this is uh, Antonia's uh, Instagram right here that I threw up. Yeah, she has that check mark. Wow, look at you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so there's lots of great pictures and stuff like that. I, I'm just encouraging everyone to go out there to your Instagram. Okay, so other than Instagram, what's a good way to, to keep up with you? Uh, Twitter, for sure, as well. Um, same thing, same handle, Antonia underscore over four. Um, our web, my website, so empower2a.org um, to keep up with that. But, yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. That's the, the big ways to keep up with me. Sometimes I'm on Fox and Friends or Fox and Friends first. Uh, I've been on RTTV the last few times. It's been interesting, but um, so you might catch me on TV sometimes talking about gun rights stuff. So okay, yeah. any other organizations like the Blaze or anything like that? See, you know, I never get to hang out with the muckety mucks. You know, I never. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm I'm just down I'm here in the know, trenches. <laughs> I used to do a lot of stuff with the Blaze, especially uh, because I was in Dallas and that's okay. their headquarters. So, mm-hmm. but now I'm in Colorado now, and this is this is a different. It's a different. This is a different, you know, yeah. territory. So yeah. uh, I'm lucky when I get to be called yeah. out. To are you close to uh, Colorado Springs at all? How far are you from that? Do you know? Uh, about an hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you ever been out there? Yeah, I have. It's gorgeous. Okay. There's a place out there called the Dragon Man Museum. You should oh, look that up. The, look up the Dragon Man. He's got like, he's the most armed man in the world. Oh. And um, so he's got basically this massive complex out there that's, I don't know, like 20 buildings filled with guns and tanks and all kinds of all kinds of cool stuff. I think on Sundays he does a tour of that. But he's a really cool dude. Um, if you look, if you look up the Dragon Man, the most armed man in the world, you'll see um, you'll see he's been on like CNN. A whole bunch of people have done documentaries on him, but he's there. And uh, you 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 will not regret going to that place and talking to him. That I I will say that that's one of people say like Colorado Springs is still like the last like place where there's some type semblance mm-hmm. of like liberty a little bit and then there's nothing in Colorado so uh, <laughs> yeah so it's nice to be in Colorado Springs you still have you know sane people over yeah there, so be over there right cool <laughs> and then um, I know you were mentioning something before if folks want to if they want to like support um, empowered right. That they can, it was, yeah, it? okay. Yeah, so um, if you want to support Empowered, then go to empowered2a.org and you can donate there. Yeah. Um, lots of people thanking you for coming on the show. They're saying you're awesome. The pants says if, if when he dies, he wants to be reincarnated as Dragon Man. You should look him up. He's, he's nice. <laughs> yeah. He's a cool dude. He's like this dude from Brooklyn, you know, but he's, he's, he's a really good guy. Um, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Any, any? Oh man! Not watch me like leave and be like, oh, yeah. man, I forgot about that. Yeah, I usually do that. Yeah. Um, I uh, well, no. <laughs> okay, listen, you've been holding your phone for two hours. <laughs> So I don't want to. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to keep you going with that. Um, I want to thank you for being here. Thank everyone else for coming in. All the questions and everything. Stay right there. I'm gonna drop the end on on this because I've been forgetting that lately. Boom. There's the end. Listen, guys, don't forget to like, share, subscribe to the channel, ring the bell. Okay. Very important to leave comments and all that. Thanks so much to Antonia Okafor for coming in here. Keep fighting the good fight, Antonia. Let us know if um, we can ever do anything to help you out. Okay? Thank you. It's been awesome. All right, guys, we're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. We are out. Peace.